Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and of course, that makes this the one-year anniversary of Circles and Squares, episode 30. Uh, we did it, Kate. We've been podcasting for one whole year. What a, what an accomplishment. Good for you. Good for us. Yeah, it's crazy. I You know, it's funny. I was, I was thinking about it, obviously, like, you know, in preparation for this this show and I was thinking I was like I can't believe it's been a year like that that feels crazy like I can't believe you guys have been listening for so long like thank you so much um it, it doesn't feel like a year it feels like way too too long but then at the same time like it also is such a natural part of life now like it would feel weird to not do the podcast yeah and not be like making notes throughout the week and kind of you know always in the back of my mind when I'm playing games so like it's this weird like juxtaposition of like, oh, it can't be a year, but also like, I can't picture not doing it anymore. So. Yeah, I totally agree. It's like we were talking the other day and I just said like, it's become such a normal part of, of like my habits now, when it, especially when it comes to like mm -hmm. games, right? Like I'm always sitting down, I've always got my Google Drive open, ready to, to write like whatever, if something happens during a game or like a note I wanted to make for the show, like it's just such a regular part now. It's almost like I couldn't imagine not doing it. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's just been a great experience. Like you said, too, like, thank you to everyone that's been listening. Uh, it feels great to have actually people like follow the show. You know, it's obviously we're not some big time podcast or anything. So it's just uh, it's really encouraging to see that. And thank you all so much for listening and anyone that's written reviews or subscribed on YouTube, anything like that, like or even just people that listen for fun and don't do any of that stuff. Thank you guys, too. It's been awesome. And we continue to we're going to continue to go, obviously, and uh, we'll see what year two of Circles and Squares brings. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, we're not going to be doing the news today like we usually do, but I just wanted to shout out at the top of the show. Um, there are two new PlayStation 5 controller colors out, Kate. These things are really nice looking. Yeah, they are. They are both really nice. And, um, I've been holding off getting a second controller because obviously waiting to, um, to get some new colors or, you know, sometimes they do those really cool, like promotional ones for games. And um, these these both look like contenders for a for a second controller, I think. Oh, yeah. Like especially the black one, I think, is is like definitely the one I would pick. Not that I don't like the red one, but I mean, come on, the all black, like with with the colors on the side of the touchpad that looks so, so sleek. Black is sleek. The black looks like what um, we expected would be like the base controller, I think. Um, back before the, the first one was shown off or we thought, you know, that would be an alternate color, like assuming that this console will be black because that's historically been what playstation's gone for so i think the black one is like the perfect like what you know you think of like a the old school like typical like playstation quintessential controller okay they're calling it red but like cosmic red but that's pink. <laughs> cosmic red. it's kind of like maroon right <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's more pink say. than red but i mean you know so be it I, I think that one's cool it is a little bit bright i think and i i tend to kind of like more um you know, like simple or or less like flashy colors. So I don't know if it might be a little bit too bright for my taste, but I still think it looks awesome. Yeah. What I like about both of them too, is they're, they look like premium products, you know, like some of the dual or mm -hmm. the DualShock 4 controllers, they're kind of like those plasticky looking material or like the bright red, bright blue camo mm -hmm. kind of, you know, paint jobs and stuff. Whereas these are, these are more like the kind of colors you'd see on cell phones or, or some like higher end technology. So mm -hmm. I think it, it adds to the whole like PS5 is a premium product kind of branding. Yeah. Well, and I think it makes sense. Like you look at the PlayStation 5 controller, like it, it's a big step up, like just even in, no, obviously it's got all the extra features, but just in terms of like build quality. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I would expect the other controllers to kind of come out with that same level of, of standard, but 
it is they are cool i like them um yeah i don't know if they'd be like if i had just sat down and said like the color i'm wishing for i don't know if it's either of these but i like them yeah that's fair um yeah very cool stuff anyway uh just wanted to shout out at the front of the show um one other piece of housekeeping too and i'm i'm sure it probably won't make that big of a difference for for the listeners but just to get it out there um we are going to be switching podcast hosts we're currently hosted on podbean and it's been it's been a great experience honestly but but um we've kind of come across anchor and i know a lot of other shows use anchor as a hosting platform and so um just because it's a it's free right so why not try it out we're going to be switching over uh the the feed of the show to anchor so it shouldn't change anything uh for the listeners the only thing is is when you're listening to this show uh there's potential that some of the older episodes might not be available on the podcast feed just if you want to go back and listen to the, any of the older episodes uh, it might just take a few days for them to to reappear in the feed but they should be all back up on all the different podcast services we've already been hosted on previously um <clears throat> if something is missing and one of the episodes you can't find it uh, maybe send us an email let us know i'm going to be looking into it but it should all be good and nothing to worry about there but uh, just wanted to give everyone a heads up um but kate why don't we get into the show here we got a hmm. quite a busy show it's our anniversary episode like we said before so we're going to start off we've actually been playing two games together so we're going to talk about two co-op experiences we've had in the past little bit and then we're going to take a quick break and come back with the second half of the show uh, we're not going to be doing news today like we said and so the last half of the show is going to be a, another quiz yeah, so we're kind of calling it an anniversary quiz, um, which is cute, but not descriptive. So <laughs> um, if you guys remember back, if you've listened or if, if you haven't, um, our first episode, we did kind of a, a get to know us quiz where we answered a bunch of questions about kind of, you know, our gaming history or preferences or just some fun gaming related questions that we thought would be a, a good way to kind of, you know, have you guys get to know us a little bit and just add a bit of personality to our show. Um, and we really enjoyed it. It was a ton of fun. Um, so what we've done is, is we've kind of created a, a, a sequel to the quiz, if you will. So there's some returning questions we're kind of updating, um, based off of the year that we've had, uh, podcasting. So, um, it'll, it'll be largely kind of about like, you know, games we've played over the year. Um, there's a PS plus section we've included because obviously that's been a big part of our show. We've been checking out. Um, the PS Plus offerings every month. Um, and then we've also just got some some new questions that are, are just, you know, fun things that we didn't get around to the first time and and just, you know, kind of just some more funny stories and, and preferences and things we like. So um, it's going to be a good old time. It's going to be good. Yeah, exactly. You know, we love quizzes answers. on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, last on the first one, it was interesting. We had um, extremely little overlap. I think we had one question we'd answered with the same game, which um, I guess is, is yeah. good for diversity, but it was a bit surprising because obviously like we have a, a similar, a lot of overlap with our preferences and, and just games we've enjoyed in the past. So I'm interested to see how, how different again we'll, we'll be. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll find out later. For now, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. And we actually literally just finished playing this game before we recorded. But this is uh, mm. the first game we're talking about is going to be We Were Here Together. And this, of course, is the third game in the series we've kind of been covering on the show. Uh, from Total Mayhem Games, again, thank you to them for supplying us with the review codes for the game. This time we played We Were Here Together, which is uh, it's slightly different than the first two games, which is We Were Here and then We Were Here 2. Uh, and the difference with this one is a lot of the game is spent in the same room together, I guess it says in the title. Mm -hmm. the, the previous two games, was they're kind of an escape room series, and we would both be in a separate room and, and giving clues back and forth, kind of in terms of like 
what you'd find in an escape room. So I have a book with with codes and you have to decipher what it means and then perform an action on your side. But this one was different in the sense that we were actually in the same location for a lot of it and had to kind of interact with puzzles in the same space. So, um, I mean, I think we had a good time. Personally, I found this one to be, I think we can, we agreed, we found it to be quite a bit more difficult than the first couple of entries, which I don't know. What, what, do you, what did you think overall? I think we had a good time, but, but uh, definitely way more challenging than before. Yeah, I I agree. I I think first of all just to kind of do a little housekeeping for it. I think the production quality of this game was a big step up from the last two. We really enjoyed the other games, but we did mention that we had there was a few times where we had um the game crash or puzzles didn't load quite properly and um it was just it had that little bit of like jank yeah. kind of all the technical issues have been eliminated so that was really nice to see um but in terms of the actual like puzzles yeah it's really cool to start together because you're used to once you get to this part of the series you're used to being always split up so that's kind of interesting um but it it does it did kind of change the the way that the puzzles played out and the dynamic of it and i i don't know i'm kind of very fresh off of it we obviously just beat it but i think in terms of the puzzle design i actually prefer the predecessors i think i like that kind of back and forth like a little bit more of of having to explain to the other person what you're looking at and kind of like relaying information more to each other and solving puzzles that way versus some of these were kind of like complicated because you had slightly more information for what the other person was looking at Mm-hmm. I know like it's the start of the game for sure like we mm-hmm. we appeared in this in the same location this little cabin and it was we were together mm-hmm. so it was it was pretty interesting but then I feel like in in terms of balancing because a lot of the previous games relied on the communication and so I think they had to maybe limit what they included in, as far as the puzzles because you had to be able to relay it over just voice only whereas with this game since we're both looking at the same puzzles and have the same equipment and in the same environment i think they may they maybe Mm -hmm. had an idea like hey you know let's crank up the difficulty a little bit on these puzzles because you have two people looking at the same thing hypothetically you should have you know two brains are smarter than one you can figure this out together and i think sometimes it worked out really well with some of the puzzles and then other ones it was almost like we had a little bit too much information and not quite enough direction in terms of like what order we needed to use the things in or or to solve different clues first and it it resulted in a little bit of confusion i think even despite being together yes and it does it does um you do split up for part of the game as well it kind of does eventually like lead you down some different paths that end up splitting you and so it sort of goes back a little bit more similar to the the first game but i think it just is a bit grander of a design so you go into some of the rooms and normally in the first game you'd go into a room and it would have one puzzle in it maybe two and then you would finish that and be on to a new room with new information a new puzzle and you kind of very linearly went from like one puzzle to the next puzzle in in different environments whereas in this game there were a couple times where you'd go into a room and there would be like four or five big puzzles in it and so it was sometimes difficult to know which puzzle to start with and then also what equipment in the room was for each puzzle. So there was some kind of like almost like organizational issues in terms of like, well, I've got these pipes and so like how do they fit into this puzzle? But actually they're for a puzzle you're supposed to do 
two puzzles in the future and you have to start with something else but because you you found these pipes like you're you're immediately trying to figure out what you're supposed to do with them but actually they don't come into it until later mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so some of the the difficulties we ran into i think weren't even necessarily in the puzzle solving itself but just in like knowing what was supposed to interact with with what and i think like that was almost a shame because it sort of like it, it becomes like your heart it's hard to know exactly what to focus on yeah, um, the puzzles themselves are, are well designed and they're fun to work out, but it's but it's just that complexity of knowing the order, also the order in which to solve the puzzles in certain situations. Like there was there was a couple environments that were fairly big rooms and they would contain multiple puzzles, and that's that's the problem we mostly ran into. I I personally think mm -hmm. that the second half of the game was maybe stronger than the first half, just because, like you said, in the second half we did get separated a bit more and it reverted back to almost the same format as the the originals which uh, I, I personally found were stronger. And, and even the two that we did today, we did a few, uh, what do we have? Two, three different chapters left at the end there. Mm -hmm. We completed just before this. And that that one we were doing, we were, I kind of had a, a set of different potions I could combine. And then you had a book with a legend of what their names were. But then I also had a book that had some abbreviations that went along with the legend. And it was just a really fun back and forth in terms of like deciphering which of these potions had which picture on the front and what the abbreviation was. And, and then you had a flow chart that, that mapped out the combinations of what we could make by, by combining them. And it, it was just a really, uh, a fun way to communicate and an, an equal amount of back and forth and, and puzzle solving. And I think that's when the game's really at its strongest. Yeah, I agree. I think that puzzle in particular was, I was going to bring it up as well, because I think that might be my favorite puzzle in the entire series. Mm -hmm. I think like it was really, it had a lot of like steps to it, but each step led you naturally towards the, the following step. And what seemed really complicated at first actually broke down into a really good back and forth of, of providing information and eventually leading us to like combine these ingredients, then find the next ingredients, combine them. And eventually to combine like all of the, the big ingredients we would need to get to the end to, to create the final potion. And it was just a really good, like, we might have spent like 40 minutes working on it. Like it wasn't a small puzzle, but because of like the the step-by-step -step nature of it and like the really good back and forth, it felt like we were both contributing a lot. And that every time we figured out one little part of the puzzle, it would naturally lead us to the next. And we were like just steadily progressing. And it was it was really cool. And yeah, I like the the trappings of it too. It was kind of like, you know, you're combining these potion ingredients and they've got like kind of funny like mythical like pictures on them of like different funguses and like different crabs and like all the names sounded like Harry Potter spells. And it was just like, it was just really cute trappings on top of what was a really good like cooperative puzzle. So I think this game definitely had moments where it, it shined and I think overall I really enjoyed it. But I think like, like you said, the second half where you're split up is just a little bit stronger. And I think that that's kind of where they excel at their puzzle solving, which makes sense because it's, it's, it's more similar to their first two games that they've already kind of gotten a lot of experience with. Um, and then in the second game, they sort of tried something a little bit different at first, which I still enjoyed, but I think like you said, the strength of it is when you're split up and having to really like communicate to each other what's in your room, what you've got available, and you solve the puzzle based off of both coming to it with 50% of the of the problem. Yeah, because I know when we were talking about We Were Here too last time, one of our bigger complaints with that one, I mean, bigger complaint is in, within a game that we still overall enjoyed, but it was that some of the puzzles were very much 
more heavily in favor of a certain player. Like you would have a lot more information. And I had a few times to like, I was pretty much standing around waiting for you to figure something out before I could really interact. And I would actually say that's one of the strengths of this game overall is that I felt in, in the vast majority of the puzzles, even if it was something that was maybe a bit heavier on your side, that I still had things I was doing and vice versa. There wasn't too many mm -hmm. times when I felt like one person really had to dominate a certain puzzle for the other person, which which is something that I really appreciated. Um, the other thing I was going to bring up too is the this game actually has quite a it's it's way more story focused than the other ones I would say, and mm -hmm. I, I think it we were trying to figure this out the whole time we were playing because. I mean, the other two games had some story moments as well, but we were overall pretty confused in terms of what exactly the narrative <laughs> was. Like, we're pretty much all we understood was, you know, we were in this mountain and it's all snowy and we we found a castle and now we're trapped there and have to try and escape. And this game mm -hmm. took that a bit further in terms of, like, the start of the game, you're getting this radio signal and you're trying to figure out where it's coming from so you can both head off and, and save whoever's trapped and we eventually make it to a castle again and, and go all the way through. But <laughs> the the story kind of has this grandiose type of finish where there's some, you know, I, some of the story moments were actually kind of cool in a way, but I, I felt kind of lost as to who the people were or what they were trying to accomplish. And um, I, I don't know what, I, I feel like maybe you had the same opinion as, as me, but I almost wish it was a bit clearer with the story wise or or they would have maybe just went with a design of like, hey, you know, we have some pretty strong puzzle design. So why don't we just kind of scrap trying to make a narrative around the game and, and and focus on just creating some really solid puzzles and expanding the game out that way? Because the the mechanics and the puzzle solving really are where the game shines, not so much in the in the narrative um, aspect. Uh, at least that's I, what I took yeah. away. I think so. I think it was like kind of neat because it's sort of like a mystery you're following along. And um, but I, I agree. I think we're a little lost. I think part of it, too, is maybe some some user error because we realized partway through that when we would get a cutscene between puzzles, we were not once we were split up, we were not watching the same cutscene, which I think is actually really cool because it really fits that the the narrative and like the philosophy of the game of like you're give you're both bringing 50 percent of it. So I think like you're supposed to be like, well, I just saw this in my cutscene. I just saw this. And you bring that together and try to like, figure out what the story is together. And it's almost like the story is another puzzle, uh, which is cool. But, <laughs> but I think the problem is, is we didn't realize until maybe like the third cutscene that we were actually looking at different cutscenes. No, well, it's funny. because so... one, one of the cutscenes I had, I think I was like, oh, did you just see that? And you said yes, like as if. I mean, you must yeah. have seen something similar well, from a different angle. Because I was looking at something else. And so, yeah, by the time we realized that, we were already a couple cutscenes deep. So, like, I didn't really know what was happening so much in yours. You didn't really know what was happening so much in mine. And I think maybe, like, we could have spent a little bit more time kind of trying to unravel that together. And we just didn't really engage with it so much. So, I think it's a really cool idea. And um, maybe it, you know, plays a little bit better if you if you put in a little more effort towards it. But I think by the time we're like, oh, shit, we've been watching the same cutscene. We were kind of just like, oh, whatever, this story's weird. Let's play the puzzles. You, <laughs> and so, one thing it does add, too, though, is like the potential if you were if you were really interested and you did want to go back to play the game again in the future you might want to take the different paths to get the different cutscenes and then maybe piece it together that way too yeah that's true there's also that replay value which is kind of nice but i, I don't know i kind of like the idea of like you know like you, you bring your 50 percent in in all aspects of it including the story so I, I think that's like I, I think i feel like that's an intentional and really cool design i just it's a shame that we didn't notice right away and and maybe like 
you know, there, there might have been some indication earlier or maybe we're just really dumb and we missed it. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a combination of both. Who knows? Um, the, the other thing I liked about this game a lot, too, in, in terms of like you, you mentioned how much it has uh, a smoother kind of feel to it, like it runs a lot mm -hmm. better, less technical issues. Um, they also added something which I really appreciated, like quality of life wise, which was that we could actually hold uh, multiple items in our inventory this time, too, because mm -hmm. in the previous games, there was a couple puzzles where you'd have like several books in a room and you'd be using them to to gather clues and you'd be kind of having to run around and, and look at different books all over over and over again whereas in this game you can hold multiple things and that really helped a lot with with many of the puzzles because for for example there was one time i was in a greenhouse and having to put some plant seeds in in some uh pots and grow different plants to to make potions out of and the fact that i could hold all the bags of seeds at once and and just kind of scroll through it quickly and pick the one i wanted and plant it saved me so much time compared to what may have happened in previous games when it when i'd have to run across the room pick up seeds plant them run back pick up some more plant them so it was just a really nice quality of life that that sped up quite a few of the puzzles where i i could have seen some not backtracking but a little bit extra running around that that would have made the puzzles a little bit more elongated especially when you're confused already a little bit and trying to still sort it out so it, it was just really nice to see that and a good evolution of what the, the previous games had yeah, I totally agree. I think this this game just has a lot of like really nice quality of life and just even things like, you know, there's a button to skip to cut scenes and it, it was really good at tracking where we were in terms of chapters if we had taken a break. Um, and it also lets you like swap roles at any time, which is nice. So if um, you could even do that, I guess, if you were stuck on a puzzle or if you just kind of want to try a little bit of a different perspective, you can swap once you're split up, you can swap and be like, I'm taking the player one role or I'm taking the player two role. So like there was a lot of like more conveniences, I guess, added in, which I, I think are nice. And it had a bit more of a robust like settings menu and, and that kind of stuff. So it just felt like a bit more of a like a, a polished product, a, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, polished product, 100%. 100%. Um, but yeah, I think I think overall we're really big fans of the series. And I, I know that Total Mayhem's working on a another puzzle game uh, in the same series. Um, so we'll, we'll, I think I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, a, overall, a much more positive experience with the series. And I, I think they're really unique and creative puzzle games. And, and not just puzzle, but also like co-op games. I have never really played anything that does co-op quite in the same way. And I, I'm really excited about the next game coming out because I think they can, they're just going to even expand on it more. Yeah, I'm I'm there, right there with you. I think we had a great time playing the series overall. I mean, despite some of the you know minor technical issues and and whatever, and we had we had a really good time. And I think it's it's a really fun game to play with someone, especially if you want to you know put your thinking cap on a little bit with some of the puzzles <laughs> and kind of work together and have that really satisfying feeling of of solving some difficult stuff. Um, I would mm -hmm. definitely say like if you want to give it a try, I would I would go in with the idea that. You know, set yourself a time limit, 30 minutes on each puzzle if you want. And just don't be afraid to to look up some hints even if you want to, because I know there were some puzzles in this game where we were just like, holy crap, like how do we how do we do this? You know, and, and I think we really improved yeah. our experience by being okay with looking up a clue here or there or on a on a couple of the puzzles, just straight up looking up how to solve it and move along with the game. Because there's a lot of good stuff to see. And if you kind of got stuck and let yourself get a bit frustrated and maybe turn it off and don't come back, I think you're really missing out on what is a really fun experience. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I, I think, um, yeah, I don't think there's any shame in, in looking it up. Like, you know, don't let it get tedious. 
at the end of the day, like we're here to have a good time. And and if that means, you know, that we, we speed it along a little bit, so be it. I think, yeah, this game, I think I would say we had the, we thought was the hardest. Um, so I'd say maybe play the other ones and kind of work up to this one. And pay attention to the cutscenes in the first couple because <laughs> the story pays off in the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's some there's sometimes some big decisions to make in these games. So Oh yeah. Um, you know, it, it can it really really test um test your the bond between both players. <laughs> <laughs> well, we succeeded, Kate. We did it. We overcame it and uh we're stronger for it. So there you go. That's we were here together. Um and the other game we've been playing is a blast from the past. We, we're calling back to <laughs> 2000, I think it was, right? Year 2000? Yes, I believe uh, so. We've decided to take the time and sit down and play one of our childhood favorites, Crash Bash. Uh, everyone's <laughs> favorite PlayStation Party game in the vein of uh, Mario Party. And man, this has been such a nostalgic experience to sit down a couple times and play this with you. It's like totally bringing me back to being like eight, nine, ten years old, whatever it was, <laughs> and having a really good time. This game is... Uh, I will say way harder than I remember it being though. Holy shit. Like some of the, yeah, some oh of the challenges God. are nuts. But uh, overall, like, I, I mean, if you've had even close to as good of a time as I have with some of the, like remembering some of the challenges and, and uh, you know, just seeing these PS1 graphics again from way back in the day, like, man, it really is a cool experience. And I think overall the game is still quite a lot of fun as long as you're okay with like, holy shit, like, how are we ever going to beat this? And then you kind of fluke out some of the challenges here and there, but. Um. Yeah, 100%. It's got a little bit of that old school kind of jank to it where, like, sometimes you just, you just get dicked. Like, there's no way to do the, <laughs> do the you know how to win, like, you just, you got unlucky and you got to try again. And it's one of those things where, like, I didn't realize how tough the game was because as a kid, like, you know, each mini game only takes, like, you know, a, a couple minutes at most to play. So as a kid, you're just like, oh, I lost, try it again. And you can run it 30 times and it, it doesn't matter because, you know, you're young, time means nothing. And like, you have nothing you're to just do. Having yeah. A good, yeah, you're just having a good time playing. Whereas as an adult, you're playing, you're like, oh my God, like, I can't believe we're having to try this like 15 times. Like this is, this is so hard just because like, your perspective has changed. <laughs> I only had two hours uh, to hang out and I like, damn, yeah, we spent exactly. 45 minutes playing ballistics and like, fuck. Exactly. Um, but I still think it's super fun. Like there's, um, some games I think are better than others. So yeah. Crash Bash is, is a party game, Mario Party style, but instead of having boards, it kind of has a few different modes. You have the regular battle mode where you can kind of just uh, this, t you know, play multiplayer, pick the games you, you've unlocked, pick the ones you like and just fool around. Uh, there's also a tournament mode where you just play through a series of mini games and see who turns out the best. But the real reason to play Crash Bash is the story mode, of course. It's cooperative. So we did a uh, two player story mode, good, classic good versus evil, pick a character and you go into a series of they call them warp rooms, which is basically a set of mini games in a certain area, room, hub area. Yeah, and you have to beat each mini game in the room to eventually fight the boss and then move to the next next warp room. And every, and every room has a similar set of games, but the games all have uh, new kind of parameters on them. And then there's an, there's also new games introduced every warp room you move up. So the the classic games just to run through, and we have ballistics, which is the the pinball looking game. Uh, polar push, which is the you're on the back of polar bears trying to push each other off an iceberg. Um, pandem pogo pandemonium which is uh how would you even describe that game it's like you're on a poke you're on a grid kind of and you're painting the grid in yeah. your own color after your pogo stick yeah you kind of like hop around on this the, this grid board and whenever you go to a space it puts your color on it and you have to score points based off of like having the largest section of the grid be colored your own color 
Right. I okay. guess it's kind of like it's kind of like really old precursor, not FPS Splatoon, <laughs> which is it's not helpful 100%. at all. But it's um, a great description. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Splatoon crossed with Connect Four. Let's say it like that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a match have, made in heaven. We also have Tank Wars, which is uh, driving tanks around trying to shoot each other. Uh, I guess if you want to put it basically, then there's crate crush, which is throwing boxes at each other, similar to like dodgeball, I guess. In, yeah, in a it's weird kind way. of like a kind of like a brawl sort of. Dodgeball's kind of good. Yeah, you yeah. sort of like you're picking up objects and, and throwing them at each other and, and trying to like, you know, yeah. get health down as fast as possible. Right. Uh, then the last two games are Crash Dash, which is uh, kind of a race. It's a circular little track and the controls are really difficult and uh, very sensitive. <laughs> and then finally, the last game is called Medieval Mayhem, which is basically collecting floating balloons that are the right color for your team. And you're on a kind of rotating platform. So those are like those are the base games. And then every time you play a different version, there's different parameters and different kind of twists on it that they put to add a bit of variety. So I think like, like uh, I think you mentioned before, some of these games looking back on them now are much stronger than other ones. Like certain ones mm-hmm. we'd be very much looking forward to playing like the, the pinball with the ballistics is I think both of our favorites. And that one's really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we both generally enjoy like the, a lot of the crate games as well. And, and, and the polar mm-hmm. push the is polar fun. bear is good. Yeah. But I mean, some of the other games, especially when it's combined with the difficulty for some of the challenges are, are, I mean, I don't look forward to playing like Dash, Crash Dash, the racing game at all. (laughs) No, the racing game is terrible, which is funny because I know like there's actually that Crash, Crash Night, Team Nitro or whatever, their racing game is like considered, yeah. yeah, CTR is considered like one of the best racing games. This is not similar to CTR at all. Like this is some dinky little like, circular track that feels awful to play like this is not like don't think of like a like an actual like racing course you're going on this is like just the shitty mini game version of it <laughs> so we're not bashing ctr this is totally different and it is awful oh yeah it's, <laughs> yeah th- i think i think that this game definitely has like you said that old school kind of challenge though like especially with games like the crash dash like it's, it's almost became kind of luck if you won or not and there was especially when you move up to the second version of that, where there's all the kind of poison on the ground and, and you get these bumpers where you can push each other off the track and there's no walls. So you're pretty much just racing around trying to go as fast as you can. And and sometimes you just get caught in these loops of like, okay, I got knocked up in the sky by running into this barrel and then I hit this poison and then this enemy came by and hit me with the bumper and I fell into the, the acid on the ground. And then, then I respawned and then got bumped off the track again. And now I'm two laps behind and I have no way to, to catch up. And it's just kind of like and, you may as well phone it in. Well, and the other thing too is like the way that the um, NPCs scale because you play two v two. Like you're, we're on a team, and then there's two enemies we're trying to beat. And there's usually like like for each warp room you go up, it increases in difficulty. The AI gets a little bit smarter, a little bit better at the game. And so they start off being like absolute morons, and then they get to be like quite proficient at the game. But the problem is, is that. If you're on your best game and they're on their best game, they're probably going to win by the end. So, like, you kind of need to hit that correct um, balance of, like, you're having a good game, but they also, like, got messed up by something. And so, like, that just, that might just take five games to hit that that balance and then you're successful. So, mm-hmm. I think we ended up specifically with the racing game at one point. You're better at the racing game than I am. And... Uh, Koala Kong was for some reason so good at it. Like 
The other guy on their team was terrible. He wasn't a threat at all, Dingo Dial. But Koala right, right. Kong was such like a he shark a at this racing game. He was a, you, he could not be stopped. So I was like, okay, only one of us needs to come first in the race. So I think you did your best at just just race well, and I spent my whole game like just trying to mess up Koala Kong because I knew he was the competition. So I think at the end, you have to go around the track eight times or something. I think I went around twice by the end because I just like parked myself in the way of Koala Kong. That was my favorite <laughs> like, thing, yeah. Yeah, and that was the best strategy for winning like the high level of that game. But there's other games where you can't really like work together and you just sort of like got to do your best. And, and so those, I guess, maybe end up being a little bit more fun, but yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's an interesting balance of difficulty too, because when you play the games for the first time, you have to earn the trophy for the, for that game. So you have to win a best of three against the opponent, which sometimes can be really tough because especially on the later warp rooms, when the enemies get to be a higher level of competency, you, you really need to play well and you need to win this best of three. And if you lose like, you know, three to two or three to one or something, you've got to replay like several rounds of this game over and over. And it, it gets pretty tough after you beat the the certain mini game and get the trophy you can replay it again for either gems or crystals which uh, are like another thing you can earn by by playing an augmented version of the same game so for example in the pinball game you can do this thing called a push which is as the ball's coming towards your your side of the net you can kind of force it back out with some you can kind of propel it stronger and in the yeah, gem and maybe round, we should Oh, sorry, I mean, we should just yeah. explain the pinball a little bit just to get sure. like a picture of it. So it's kind of like you're on a board with four sides and your side is like a net and you're in this kind of like pinball car. You're in this like hover car, I guess. And these like metallic pinballs roll out and you have to like hit them and stop them from going in your net. And it's kind of like it kind of almost plays more like air hockey than pinball. We just call it pinball because that's what like. The <laughs> aesthetic is ballistic. Yeah. yeah, that's the aesthetic. But it's basically four-sided air hockey, and you have to hit the ball into the other person's net and stop them from going in your net. And whoever you get, like you know, like twenty life or something, every time a ball goes in, you lose one. And whoever's the last man standing wins the round. So yes, yeah, so then you get that push, which kind of propels the balls faster. So. Not only does it make it better to score on your opponent, um, but it also like can kind of like scoop a little bit from the side of you, to, so it makes you like have a little bit bigger of a presence in your net. It makes it a lot easier to defend, that's for sure. Like yes. it's even more useful for defense than it is for attacking, really. And you, you, I yes. don't think you really notice that until you play the challenge where you get that taken away, and but that is your enemy still so have it. <laughs> yeah, it just became yeah. a whole other level of difficulty. And what I was going to say was at least the, I was kind of of two minds because as, as hard as that challenge is, the gems and the relics, you only have to beat one time and you just win the award. You don't have to do a best of three. Mm -hmm. So even even though it's more difficult, I feel like sometimes you could complete those quicker because you just could fluke out a win if they play, they happen to play like shit one round and then and then you win. So that's the only thing that kind of saves some of those from being nearly impossible. Mm -hmm. Or some of them too will be like, you know, there's stuff like that where you you kind of have like a a negative condition or there'll be things like, you know, you just have like 10 less life than they do. So you got to be a little bit more perfect or on some of the other games, it's like, well, there's a time limit. And if you don't win within the time limit, you know, you, you lose. So like those are pretty quick to run back, like especially on the polar bear, because you're kind of on this like floating icy platform and you're riding polar bears and you're trying to push the other people off. So like you know normally you have like a minute and 30 seconds to push the other 
guys off, but now you only have 30 seconds. So it's like, well, it's hard to do, but you can run that 10 times in a row. It only takes 30 seconds each time. Exactly. So like those go by pretty quick, um, but they, they are quite challenging. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm going to say, so I have a fun fact about Crash Bash for you, actually, uh -huh. which I didn't know if you knew this, but I was doing a little bit of research just more or less to get the real names of these games for the for the show. Because mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't know pinball was called ballistics. No, <laughs> we've always just called that, it really. pinball. Uh, but anyway, so Rillaroo, did you have any idea that that uh, Crash Bash was his first ever appearance in any oh. game? He was created for Crash Bash, and he never showed up again in any Crash game until uh, the new CTR game, which was released a few huh. years ago, and they they put him in as a character. But he, that was his first and only appearance up until that point. I had no hmm. idea. I thought he was definitely an enemy from one of the Crash games I hadn't played. So yeah, I assume yeah. so because as kids that way like, we played um some of the other Crash games, um Crash Three I think specifically, but we never really like had or owned many other Crash games. Like this was kind of our definitive Crash game growing up as kids. So yeah, yeah I just assumed because it was kind of a weird spinoff that like all of the stuff was just pulled from other games. That's what I thought too. I don't know, but I, cause I mean like Engine is in one of the games and he's, I think he's the final boss as well. Actually. That's another thing I realized by kind of looking this up is I don't think we ever actually made it all the way to the, the real final end of the game because I, I looked up some footage and I had seen the final boss fight before the boss fights are all just, just different versions of the same mini games again. But, but, uh, he's in, he's in the final boss. And then after you beat him, there's actually a fifth room, a fifth warp room of games, which you can unlock after going back and earning a few more kind of, I think they're called relics they have. So I, there's a lot more to this game than I ever knew as a kid, uh, which I'm kind of surprised by because I remember playing this pretty extensively. So maybe we'll have to I think push so. on. I, I think we, we got a hundred percent the game. I think that's going to be our, our gaming challenge for the next couple months. Oh, um, <laughs> it's gonna be tough but like i really feel like like i owe it to myself to do it um but yeah i think like when you're kids and i, I think i had this a lot especially with a lot of like rpgs and stuff is like you play them for a while and then you kind of like fall off start playing other things and then when you play again you just restart so i feel like the amount of time we've put into this game we could have beaten it like three or four times over but we just would keep restarting and just playing the games that we liked so i think like <laughs> you know, partially that's so why I would be like, well, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to play without you. So like, I'm going to start my own save file because like that save files for when we play together. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, like, but we don't play for it for a week. And then we start, we play again. It's like, okay, let's just start a new one. And so like, yeah, well, I had that with a lot like... of games. Like I, you know, we, we've talked about final fantasy events tactics so many times and like the amount of hours I put into that as a kid, but I never beat it. I beat it like as an adult, like five years ago because i was like oh, how the hell have i like never beaten this game i should do it yeah how do i have 300 hours in this but i've only ever beaten yeah. the first two chapters or something exactly. it's because i'd play half of it stop playing for three months start it again be like oh i, I kind of don't know 100 percent where i was i'll just restart yeah, and like yeah. you know you, you've got the patience to do that as a kid so true yeah um yeah anyway i i'm really happy we went back and played this it's funny when we did our top 50 games of all time our top 25 games of all time. I remember Crash Bash was on my list, my short list. It didn't actually make it, but it was it was on the list. And mm -hmm. I've, I've done a top 50 games like personally for myself just to, you know, have that kind of I like to track stuff like that. I'm kind of crazy. But I, I remember Crash Bash, <laughs> I think, was the 50th game on my list. And I nice. put it, it there because I, had a, I went back a couple of years ago and I did play a bit of this with a friend of mine. And and uh, I think 
I I don't know if it would still be on my list. And I don't know if it's a combination of I've played some stuff since that I think would kick off the last few games anyway. But I mean, mm-hmm. as, for as much as I enjoyed this, I think I'm enjoying playing it because it's it's really nostalgic to go back and sit down with you and, yeah. and go back through the game. I'm not sure that the game itself still is this excellent party game that I'm remembering. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think nostalgia does play a portion of it. I think it's still fun, but I think yeah. some of the challenge kind of like takes away from it and being like, oh God, fuck, I just want to beat this level so we can go to the next one. Yeah. Totally. Um, and I've got an interesting question. So since this is kind of a party game, I'm just making a comparison in my mind. Would you say you, what do you think, Crash Bash or Mario Party? If you had to pick one of the series. Well... I mean, that's unfair, right? Because Mario Party has so many iterations. Right. And I think that they've had a lot more variety over the years. I think Crash Bash is, if you want to compare it to like, say, Mario Party 2 or 3 or something from that same time era. Like like your first Mario Party and Crash Bash. Yeah. I I think that Crash Bash maybe has some higher highs and the games are a little bit more... Let's let's say the caveat that if we happen to have like a multi-tap and happen to sit down and play with four human opponents that aren't these computers that can kind of predict everything you do, because the CPU is like way harder in this than any Mario Party game, without a doubt. So mm-hmm. so I think that in, in a situation where you're playing with four friends, this game has maybe some of the strongest mini games and they're definitely more skill based than a lot of the Mario Party ones. So I think there's a there's a place for this game as being a really a little bit more of a competitive yet still kind of goofy fun type of night for some friends. And I really like the way this has a story mode, which is you can play through like cooperatively with two people. But I think if Mm -hmm. you're wanting to sit down and just have more of a casual experience and uh, maybe you don't have, maybe you only have three people. So you need one CPU and you, I mean, I think maybe Mario party stronger there. And the other thing that Mario party has over this is I, at the end of the day, I think that Mario party being shaped as a board game and kind of rolling the dice and seeing what space you mm-hmm. land on is a, is a really fun experience. And I think overall, I do prefer it a little bit to this, but I'm, I'm yeah. curious to see what you, what you say about that too. I, I kind of mostly agree. I think Mario party is just more of a complete package. I think that board game element kind of adds something. Whereas in this game, like the, like the warp rooms are very bare. It's just basically like, a menu you can walk around and to get to the next game it isn't doesn't really have any gameplay of its own accord so i think it's just missing an aspect that mario party has and i think while the games in crash are like developed a bit more and they're you know there's a little bit more skill to them it's cool to see the variations of each game um because you know there, there's like five or so versions of each one mario party just has so much more variety in terms of the mini games and i think I would pick that variety over the games maybe mm-hmm. being a little mm-hmm. bit having a little bit more depth. I think if maybe all of the games in Crash were as quality as the pin pinball, which is the clear favorite of ours, then maybe it'd be different. But like a couple of them are really like whatever. So you only really have like three great games, four okay, like one's okay, like two are pretty meh. So like you know, yeah. you're you're very limited in games of like which ones I'd want to play a lot versus Mario Party is like, well, maybe none of the games like stand out as being amazing on their own, but there's like 30 really good ones. Well, that's the and thing so, too. Like, yeah, this game doesn't have the variety that Mario Party has. Like, I think every Mario yeah. Party game must have what 40 or 50 mini games. It feels like, whereas in this, you I, can yeah, you could kind of sit down exactly. with your friends and play through all of them within the span of an hour if you really wanted to get what you wanted out of it. 
So yeah, I mean, this is a fun game. I would love to see a modern take on Crash Bash. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think Crash is neat and I would love to see like, you know, it's been 21 years. I'd love to see a new one come out and see what they can do with it. Um, because the formula is really interesting. I like the co-op part. The bosses are really cool. That's something Mario Party doesn't have. Um, but the boss fights being a little bit more special versions of the game are actually pretty fun. Um, and and they're they're exciting. But I think overall I would I would pick the variety of Mario Party. It's just a little bit more, I think, fun to sit down and like goof around with your friends. And I think that like casual hanging out with my friends aspect to me is a little bit stronger than the like oh the challenge i want to get good at you know pogo mm-hmm, stick mm-hmm. game yeah so, yeah to the extent i, I go with mario good, party yeah. over the yeah. two but i would like to see a new crash bash i think that'd be a lot of fun yeah i totally agree i hope we do one day let's see let's let's hope that mm-hmm. us talking about it on this show sparks some interest about mm-hmm. crash bash and kind of brings it back into the public perception and eventually one that's day that's right we're granted with uh, you know, the, Crash, the is, Crash is a phoenix right now. It's being reborn from the ashes. So maybe <laughs> Crash Bash is the next place it gets to go. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Um, but any in any case, Kate, I think unless you have any more points about Crash Bash to make, um, that's actually going to do us for what we've been playing this week. So don't go anywhere, guys. We'll be right back in just a moment's time with our fun quiz. <laughs> All right, everyone, welcome back to the show for the second and final part of the show for today, uh, where we're going to be going back through a, I guess it's like a get to get to know us quiz, except now you know us. So now you can just enjoy our answers <laughs> and, and have some fun. So uh, I guess without further ado, let's just jump right into the first question, which is a returning question from the quiz the previous time, which is what is our most anticipated game that's not yet out? So uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny just to go back over our original answers for this question, because <laughs> You had said that your most anticipated game was Elden Ring, which I kind of have a suspicion your answer has not changed <laughs> between now. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm still right there, looking forward to it. Um, I, in the spirit of this quiz, I have chosen another answer. Okay, just um, just to check though, like, what is your hype on Elden Ring right now? How are you feeling? Because I mean, we've not had much positive news at all about this game. Well, out. we haven't had any any negative news either. It's just uh, it's been some radio silence. Um. But you know what? I, I think that's fine. They're not ready to show anything off yet. I know a lot of people are upset and, you know, maybe maybe you, there's an argument to be made for like, you know, just just put out some communication. Like even if it's just a sorry, guys, it's hard that's to it. make a video. Sorry, it's hard to make a video game. Please be patient. We appreciate you're excited. And, you know, what? maybe that would make people feel better. But it's one of those things where like it'll come out when it comes out and so be it. I'd rather wait. 15 years and have the best version of Elden Ring possible versus, Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. you know, spoilers for your answer, getting rushed to, uh, oh, God. Well, <laughs> to come out. So that's um, the other funny yeah. part of this too, is, is my previous answer was cyberpunk, <laughs> which at the time, thinking back in, in May 20, uh, May, 2020, there was no reason not to be insanely hyped for cyberpunk coming off of the Witcher three. And it, it just looked like from what we had seen at that time with the few videos we'd, we got to be shown like that game looked amazing mm-hmm. and now fast forward to now may 2021 and like oh boy i'm not i couldn't be any less interested in uh <laughs> in checking that out so man that didn't age well either 
Um, no, it, it did not. So yeah, I, I, I kind of, you know, I thought this was a cute question to go back to, but I also just really like to, to poke a little fun of us for our answers. You know, hundred <laughs> percent. You, you never look forward. You don't really know quite what you're supposed to expect. So, um, we did pick that. So I, I mean, Elden Ring is, is still an answer for me, but I've, I've, um, what's funny is I think I might've also brought up Silk Song at the time, which is the Hollow Knight mm-hmm, sequel. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been the same thing. It was supposed to, you know, come out sometime 2020 and it's just been a bit silent on that front as well. So, um, well, those are definitely the two games I'm kind of most looking forward to. I've actually decided to pick a game that has a specific release date and is likely to come out in the near future uh, or at all. So (laughs) um, I'm going to update mine to say that I'm really looking forward to Kenna Bridge of Spirits, which is set to come out on the 24th of August. Good answer. I think this game, like, it just, just really stands out. I think the visuals look great. The story looks... Um, kind of like it almost reminds me of like a Pixar movie, like a really uplifting, just really like wholesome, pleasant world to live in. And, and the gameplay looks really fun, too. And I think it just looks like it's going to be a really cool PlayStation 4 experience. I think it's just it looks like it's just going to run really beautifully and just be like a really wholesome game world to be in for a while. So uh, I, I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't think there's any like one particular thing that really stands out about it, but it's really just sort of caught my eye and I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm with you. That game looks awesome. It's not what I wrote for my answer, but I'm I'm definitely hyped for it. Well, I had a couple different answers for this. I I wrote Rift Apart, but I kind of feel bad putting that just because it's so imminent. So I'm not yes. going to put that as my answer for this. I was thinking more long term, and so the answer I settled on is pretty clear. It's it's God of War Ragnarok, man. Like, yeah, I, I love God of War 2018 so much. It's low hanging fruit. Like, who's who's got a PS5 that's not excited to play Ragnarok when it comes out? But uh, mm-hmm. it really is my answer. Like, 2018 God of War is right up there with my favorite games ever. And uh, I mean, I have no reason to think that that they won't improve on it or at least deliver something that's similar with Ragnarok. So yeah, I, I'm just excited to yeah. see where that story goes and kind of the lore around it and everything. So yeah, Ragnarok for me. A hundred percent. I could not be more excited for Ragnarok. Um, and I think that is, that's probably one of the Kings on my list too, but I kind of put it in that like, well, it doesn't have a, release, a proper release date yet. Maybe I'm going to go for something a little bit more direct in the future. Um, but yeah, Ragnarok, I, I cannot wait. That'll be a, a day one purchase, I think. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. So question two, uh, let's get to the next one, which is our new greatest gaming achievement. Uh, last time you had said that you were, your achievement was being amazing at Bloodborne. And mine was mm-hmm. that I beat the beat Contra without the Konami code. And also I shouted out that I'd won five games of Fortnite in a row. <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. I bet which, you haven't done that since. <laughs> oh God, I, no, no, nowhere even close. I've, I've definitely played a lot less Fortnite since then too, like around that time. But man, mm-hmm. I remember, yeah, we just had that crazy night, like me and a couple of friends where we just... We couldn't be stopped. Mm-hmm. We were out for blood that night in Fortnite. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to see what yours is now because... You know, you can play a little sad violin for me here because I had a hard time coming up with something. So <laughs> I haven't I. really achieved much in the last year in terms of gaming. Like, you know, like I beat Sekiro. That's really cool. It's considered a hard game and whatnot. But like, I don't really feel like I had like a cool achievement. So I've kind of extended the boundaries of, of these answers. And I've actually got a board game achievement that I was quite proud of. And it's kind of a funny little story. So um, we play this game called Gloomhaven. It's wonderful. Um, I highly recommend anyone who even has the slightest interest in board games or like, you know, like tabletop campaign kind of things, sit down and take a look at this. Um, But basically it's a co-op game. You all pick different characters who have like unique mechanics and um, backstories and races and stuff. And 
um, you play co-op together to to go through scenarios and there's an overarching story and, um, and I won't get super into it but the point is is that yeah it's co-op but each character has their own what's called a solo scenario and it's a, a session that you play that is based around each character and instead of playing with your whole party you play just by yourself and oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. they're designed to kind of take advantage of um you know the strengths and weaknesses that each individual character brings to the table so you have to do some certain things within the main game to unlock these so spoilers james that's why you haven't seen him yet mm -hmm. <laughs> we haven't gotten quite as far as uh the other guys i've been playing with um but we had Mike. I got mine kind of unlocked at the same, around the same time that someone, one of the other guys in my group that I play with, he also had one to do. So what we decided we were gonna do is that we were actually gonna sit down and have a race to see who could do theirs first. Ooh, that's cool. And um, so what we did is the other two two people that um, I play with often, they were kind of like we called them like our pit crew, and they were gonna help us like do the admin sort of stuff like okay we did an attack so they're gonna set the enemy's health for us properly and like you know help with with kind of like the you know the things that might kind of slow you down a little bit as you play so we went into it i'm like oh okay it's gonna be tough like you know the other character was like the other guy playing had like a really strong character who's like a little bit better on their own than my character so i was went into it a little bit like nervous of how how well i do but also like it's one of those dumb things that it's fun to get really competitive about so we started and mine, I didn't cheat on it, but some, the way, something I'd have with my character with a certain item kind of like negated part of the difficulty of mine. So I ended up just breezing through it in like 10, 15 minutes or something. And he like wasn't even halfway done his, I just absolutely <laughs> destroyed him in the race. And so it ended up just what being like a really... Yeah, it ended up just being like a stupid, funny thing we did. And so I'm now the official race winner of Gloomhaven. <laughs> oh, congratulations. That is an achievement Thank you. If, if I've ever yes. heard one before. Yes, it was it was very wonderful. So I'm hoping to, to rematch at some point. But that, that was kind of my biggest, like, I did it moment. <laughs> nice. Congratulations. Uh, my achievement, you. <laughs> I don't think, is maybe quite as impressive as my previous one of the Konami code with Contra. Because like, that's legitimately mm -hmm. hard. That you know, was, like, that's huge. Damn. That but, is a big achievement. Yeah, yeah. So this one, I mean, uh, my mine, the only one I could think of between like, and we should say like these answers we're giving for now are, are all things we've done between the start of the podcast to now. So in yeah. the last year, I, I was really trying to rack my brain and I don't know if it's it's maybe the toughest thing I've done, but the thing I'm most proud of is I got the uh, Persona 5 Royal Platinum Trophy uh, for, for my PlayStation collection. Like I, I, not the, I mean, we've said it a million times. We're not, both of us aren't super into trophies, but just having the platinum for my favorite game, uh, really cool mm -hmm. feeling. It lets me know, you know, I, I kind of did pretty much everything there is to do in, in the Royal, which I've also talked a bunch about on the show. So I'll keep it short, but just having the platinum for that game, uh, it's nice to see. And when I, whenever I log onto my PS4, it's actually the last game I played on my PS4 because of, uh, um, okay. of uh, you know, I play everything on PS5 now, but because it's disc-based and I have the digital PS5, I had to still complete it on the PS4. So along the mm -hmm. top, it shows like the most recent trophy you've earned and it pops across with the, with the platinum there. So that's that's kind of cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, that, okay. Is, that is cool. Um, Not terribly like that, hard, though. So... Not terribly hard. <laughs> that's okay. Doing just a little like achievements or goals for yourself. It's good to get through things. Um, okay, we'll go on to the, the third question, which is our second last returning question and so in the first one we, we went over and we both gave four franchises 
or games that kind of shaped our our gaming preferences or had a really big profound impact on us and so um i had said that i'd just quickly go over our answers i had given the um from software's soul series including Sekiro, so all their games um the mario franchise league of legends and the banner saga franchise and you'd given pokemon persona phoenix Wright, and super smash bros and I thought we thought it'd be fun to kind of update this list and give an additional franchise or game that we felt has been really influential, but something again that we've played within this last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I guess I'll, I'll answer first this time, and I'll, I'll mm -hmm. say that that uh, as I was looking back through what I'd played this year, I, I think that there's nothing I've played more of than Apex Legends, and I and I think mm -hmm. that's my answer for this as well, because. As I played more and more, I think I've just realized, like, when it comes to first-person games, and, and the ones I'd played before, like, on my list, Pokemon, Persona, Phoenix, right? Like, they're all kind of turn-based or RPGs, mm -hmm. and for the most part, then Smash Bros. is its own thing. But but Apex, to me, is, is everything I'm looking for in terms of the way I want a first-person game to feel. Just running around and, and the maneuverability and the, the way that the characters have a lot of different abilities, whether it's movement-based or some of them can scan where guys are and, or shoot different missiles. Like there's, there's a bunch of different things you can do, but when you boil it down to just the, the straight-up mechanics of what it feels like to look around, what do the guns feel like, uh, the way you can mm -hmm. slide down hills and, and kind of gain momentum or go up the zip lines and, and rain, get to different... Um, heights on the map the way the way that it all comes together is that's that solidified kind of defined package of first person movement i think is a, just a fantastic feeling and i've i don't think i've played too many games that i can think of re especially recently that feel as good to move around and feel as responsive control wise as as apex and then layer that kind of feeling on top of the way that they have the characterization and in, in the same kind of way that overwatch has its own own cast of characters and they all have personality and storylines that are intertwined apex has all of that too it's just a bit a different um different of a look than i guess what blizzard goes for but it, it's uh it's a mm -hmm. great universe it's connected to titanfall 2 which is another game that feels just immaculate obviously they're they're very tied together and the other thing i really like about it too is that it encourages uh fight like it encourages action because some of these battle royales i think you can kind of get get by with with hiding a little bit or letting other people fight and kind of just waiting around and, and being right. very stealthy. Whereas in Apex, it can be a I mean, bit passive. Yeah. And it's not that you can't do that in Apex, but the thing is it, it kind of comes back to bite you in the ass later on, because if you don't get into fights, the, the way you upgrade your armor in Apex is you can either find some better armor on the ground, but that's not always easy to do. Or later on you have to kill people and take their armor, which if they have better armor than you, that's hard to do. So, but, but also you can level it up by dealing damage. So when you have a tier one white armor, if you do 200 damage, then it'll level up to be a blue armor and up and up the scale it goes. So you're actually encouraged to fight early on as well to deal damage, then get better armor for later fights. So you can kill more people to level up. And it's just this great chain of, of encouraging you to be in the action which I've come to appreciate as like a great incentive to not play so passively. So um, just the, the full package Apex is so great and and um, definitely my favorite Battle Royale. And I think it's really influenced the way that I like my shooters to feel too. So easy answer for me there. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where like, you don't always think about those types of games as being really influential because oftentimes they're like, the social game that's like, oh, I want to hang out with my buddies. What are they doing tonight? Oh, we can just play some Apex, right? And it's almost kind of like, becomes like a default choice of like oh what should, we don't really know what else we want to do but like you end up spending so much time in the game and like 
just because it's kind of got that casual or like multiplayer, like, you know, just one more match kind of feel to it doesn't mean that there isn't like a lot of value in the way that the game is designed. 100%, and so yeah. I think, I think that's a great answer. Um, my answer is actually going to be our first overlap here. Uh, it's not Ooh. Apex, um, but I'm adding on to my list, the Persona series. Nice, nice, uh, nice. Which you'd gone over. And I think I was thinking about it doing the same thing. And, you know, I played some really amazing games this year. And um, obviously Secure, I've kind of, you know, got covered in my list. Like God of War was an amazing experience for me. One of the best games I've played. And I played a lot of things I really you know, I, I've played a lot of like third person action story driven games like that's not super new or or outside of my wheelhouse, even though it was like an extremely high quality version of one of those games. Right. Um, but Persona was a really different game for me. Like it, it's got the, the turn based combat and like the strategy and, and those elements are, are not unfamiliar to me. Um, but I, I think it's actually the life sim aspect that really stood out as being something different I'd never experienced before. And I just felt that like as a whole package, it worked so well being tied into the gameplay and the dungeon crawling, the exploration and the story. Um, but when it came down to it, kind of the thing that stood out the most about Persona, aside from amazing soundtrack, of course, um, just was those those moments in between where you're like, I'm going to hang out with my this friend or, you know, like someone just texted me, I'll look at it quickly. And it's like, oh, Ryuji wants to hang out today. I will go hang out with Ryuji. And you kind of like get to know these characters. And it's, it's a bit of a slow burn because I think I spent 120 hours to beat it. Seems and I, right. I haven't played Royal yet. I, I do want to go and play Royal, but I've just played the original. Um, but I just, I felt like I got to know these characters so well. And I've, I've fallen in love with characters before and really gotten invested in stories. But this is the first time I ever really, like, felt like I kind of had a social aspect, getting to know, like, as if these were people I knew in real life or, like, characters I could just hang out with. And I'd, I'd never experienced a game in that way. And I, I think that was just really special. And it's kind of, like, opened up that realm of, like, social sim kind of kind of games and like i don't know how many more i'll play because like a lot of them have that dating aspect which doesn't really appeal to me um but mm -hmm. i just thought it did such a good job of being like kind of like a, a world of characters that you really start to like create bonds with on top of being an amazing rpg just in its own right so yeah persona 5 just it really stood out as being something something very different i think yeah it is and you're right about like about the dating sim aspect like because if you go and play a full dating sim game it's all about the romance and you you don't really want that whereas persona like sure there is relationships you can get into but it's more just because naturally that might happen in high school it's not because that's the focus of the mm -hmm. game it's more about yeah the friendships and the group and how they all interact and the dynamic between the characters you're, you're totally right and you feel like you almost yeah. are hanging out with them in a way if you really let yourself kind of fall into that for a minute so mm -hmm. yeah it's really great mm -hmm. um so, so our yeah. next question so our next question is, uh, we went through last time and we outlined our favorite game for each PlayStation console, PlayStation 1 through 4. So of course, we've now got the PS5 and we need to add to the list our favorite PS5 games so far. Now, I mean, obviously there's not too many specifically PlayStation 5 games out yet that we've played. And we've we've said it too, it has to be a game that isn't, is is has a PS5 version is what we said, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you played a PS4 game on the PS5, it has to have a PS5 version. So... Um, really curious. Um, I, I mean, 
I actually think I know what you put actually now that I say that out loud. But uh, go ahead. Go ahead. You start. Yeah, I, I thought this was kind of just more of like a cheeky, cute question, because obviously we answered the other ones. We had, we had very large libraries to pull from, and uh, we're still quite early in the PS5's um, catalog of games. And so, you know, I, I've gone with Demon's Souls. I don't think it's a surprise. I love that yeah. game. It was my like, you know, it's the one PS5 exclusive game I've bought for it, had a great time. And so I'm interested to see how, how this, you know, maybe we'll update this in the future and it's kind of just sort of a, a cheeky cute question for now but easily demon souls didn't think about it <laughs> right yeah and I, I didn't think about mine too much either i put miles morales for mine although i'm sure it's gonna probably have a good chance of being ratchet and clank uh next month but yeah that uh, game looks amazing it, oh man it does but until then it was miles morales i just think it's a great package it felt it, i mean the graphics blew me away when i booted that up for the first time and uh, just mm -hmm. the lighting aspects and like how quick the city loads, the fast travel, man. It was it was a great experience. Love Miles Morales. And so that would be my answer for that. Um, mm -hmm. So now we're into the PS Plus questions, Kate. And these are the ones I think I'm most interested to see what your answers are. Yeah. So, that, yeah, so. these these tie back to um, obviously we do our PS Plus segment every month. We both pick one of the PS Plus games and and kind of play through it and see what PlayStation's offering in uh, in terms of those freebies so these next four questions kind of will will relate back to what we've we've played over the year um involving in that section so the first question is what has been your favorite ps plus experience mm. well i had two games written down here and i think i just want to shout out fall guys because i had a really good time with fall guys for about a week mm -hmm. and a half maybe two weeks had a had a blast playing that like just squatting up online with people and it's really good to hang out and just chill and play some fall guys you know there's not much thinking involved so that was mm -hmm. fun but i just fell off of fall guys a lot and i, I don't think i look back on it quite <laughs> as fell fondly. off <laughs> oh, i fell off multiple times <laughs> let me tell you that but uh yeah I, I don't think i look back on it as fondly as i had you know as as, as fondly as i maybe expected i would we we kind of thought it might not be a great game in terms of longevity anyway at least for us mm -hmm. i know there's a lot of people on twitch and, and whatever that want to play it all the time but my my answer for this actually might be surprising but i think my favorite ps plus game that i played for the show is erica which is the kind of choose your own adventure cryptic kind of seance spells and and <laughs> it's just it, it's a bit of a scary game in a, in a few ways like in terms of what happens with her and the story wise don't want to spoil anything there mm. but i i really enjoyed erica i thought it was cool that it tied in with the phone app i like games like that anyway like man of medan and and um heavy mm -hmm. rain and all those kind of story-based narrative adventures so erica was a good one for me and i think that's my answer okay well that is that is really interesting um you know what? I I have a dumb, funny answer to say first, but my actual answer, and I'll just get to it, was also Erica. No I, kidding. yeah, I think um, it just it just really stuck out to me as such a, a fun, like, interactive kind of like movie almost, and the phone app was cool. It was just a really memorable night playing it. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Erica. Um, but obviously, you got to have a bit of a, a dumb answer to go along with this. So I've also put down bug snacks. <laughs> um. <laughs> Not that I bunger, loved bunger, Bugsnag, bunger, bunger, bunger. but exactly. But we say Bunger Bunger, like the people I played it with, we say Bunger Bunger all the time. Like we can't not say, and anytime there's a word that's similar, like we were playing a, a board game the other day and we had to pick characters and one of the one of the guys considered picking a character named Bunker. And then, so of course we're all like Bunker 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 because <laughs> <laughs> it's like similar. And so I don't love, you know, we didn't get into Bugsnags, but the hour I played dicking around, having a couple 
maybe i can't remember we had a couple drinks or what but the hour we played like dicking around in bug snacks was so much fun um but yeah erica's erica's the the full experience i enjoyed that's funny i'm gonna say too just to (laughs) just for the rest of the answers like there's a lot of games on ps plus that i've played but not because of ps plus like final fantasy uh, 7 remake came on there uh there's the mm-hmm. uncharted collection there's shadow of colossus like these are games that i played previously to them coming to ps plus so i mean final fantasy 7 remake definitely would be my answer for favorite experience but i didn't play it for ps plus so i didn't want to put it right exactly cheating. yeah we're we're um we're yeah we're specifically going over like what we've played for our ps plus segments um yeah obviously there's a lot of games that we you know we played in the past or you know we just didn't get around to for that segment so yeah they, they just unfortunately don't qualify yeah. just to make it a little bit more interesting so that's right um so, we'll, yeah, we'll move on to question two um so it's like a game that you would never have played otherwise but pleasantly surprised you uh so this one kate I'm, I'm this is the one i'm most interested for which one you you have for this but my answer uh is remnant from the ashes i would okay. never have played that um i mean it doesn't look the screenshots and like the icon don't look particularly interesting you know Mm -hmm. i'm not always one for like the souls kind of combat not that i don't like it but it doesn't draw me and pull me to like really want to try it but i I played Mm -hmm. this co-op with a couple friends and we had a great time like just kind of exploring the randomly generated maps and we really enjoyed the the nature of kind of collecting the loot drops and and upgrading our weapons and there's a surprising variety in terms of weapons that you can get and different abilities you can get by beating the bosses and unlocking kind of the weapons that they give you and it's it's interesting because the game's a roguelike or it kind of has some randomly ge- or not a roguelike but it has some randomly generated parts so the order you end up mm-hmm. fighting the bosses is different and so not only is that a different experience for if you were to play compared to me but also it means if i run into a certain boss i might have to fight it differently because i haven't unlocked a weapon that you have or vice versa so mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's a pretty interesting game in in that way because a lot of these other games you can kind of you know how to beat the boss because you have a certain weapon by that point and this game maybe has a bit of variety there um i think the lore was interesting too like the the world was cool story-wise but i mean there's some issues with kind of some repetitive areas and whatnot so we won't i won't get into that because it's i'm talking about the way it surprised me but i I had a really good time with remnant um and yeah it's something that i i wouldn't have played but having gotten to try it because of ps plus i i'm definitely really glad that i did and i would probably like to play some more of it to be honest so that's that's my answer that's awesome yeah remnant was an interesting game um it was one that i had my eye on already so i can't say that i was you know i wouldn't have played it otherwise um so mine is actually greedfall is what i've i've picked okay um and that was the kind of it was the rpg i'd played that was said in like you were kind of going to a new world kind of like europe goes to north america for the first time kind of setting um and i i just it looked like a really generic kind of fantasy rpg to me it didn't really stand out in any way it was kind of one of those ones where i I just sort of went in with, with kind of lower expectations and it actually like surprised me quite a bit um mostly just in terms of like the world was really interesting and the storytelling was was really good and it had a lot of depth in terms of like quest paths that I, I wasn't expecting. I was thinking it'd be more of like a Skyrim kind of kind of game where you just sort of go along, you do your quests and like, you know, call it a day. Like, oh I'm a mage, I do my quests, I shoot the magic spells, I'm done. But it, it actually had a lot of like, you know, you need to get into this building, like you can you can find a way to like pick a lock and sneak through the back or you can like 
talk to someone and like convince them to let you in if if you convince them you're someone who has like business being there and there was just a lot of like variety in how you chose to interact with the world um and it was very clear like it was all fully voice acted it was just very clear that it had a lot of like time and effort put into building the world and the characters in the story which really kind of surprised me and, and, and blew me away better than what mm -hmm. I was anticipating mm -hmm. for the game. Um, the gameplay itself, I'd say, was was fine. Like, I didn't... The combat didn't um, draw me in tons, but it also was, like, interesting enough that it didn't bog the game down. And so I don't think the game was, like, perfect in the sense that, like, it's on the top of my list because there's just so many other games I that stand out as being like exceptional I want to play, but it's definitely a game that I have in the back of my mind. Like I would eventually, you know, if, if, if I don't have anything else on the go, maybe I would go back and I kind of, I'm curious to see where it goes sort of thing. So I, I ended up going from being like, oh, this is going to be kind of a slog for a couple hours to like, Ooh, actually like I'm going to file this away for later. So yeah, yeah Greedfall is, is great. And it has a really dedicated community as well. And I, I think it's it's kind of a niche game. Like, you got to really be into a lot of reading, a lot of talking to people, a lot of, like, interact with story and, and characters and mystery kind of thing. But it, it genuinely seems like a really good time. Was that the game that the person was standing facing the wall when you left? And she just... <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I'll never forget that. that. So yeah, fun. that was the one. Yeah, I walk, would walk into a room and she'd talk. She was like standing against this like wall, just like looking at the at the corner of the room. And I'd talk to her and she'd do the dialogue with me. And then she'd just go back and stare at the wall some more. <laughs> she was like just really stuck. So yeah, a little bit of jank. But you know, it's, it's the kind of jank that almost like makes the game better to play. It's, yeah, because, it's like charming like, in a way. Yeah, like it obviously shouldn't be happening, but it's also like just makes for some kind of funny, memorable moments. So, well, speaking of some jank, Kate, or maybe games we didn't like <laughs> quite as much, let's move to the next question, which is the PS Plus game that disappointed you the most. Uh, mm -hmm. What's your answer for that? This was probably the easiest question I had in the whole quiz Worms Rumble. <laughs> this game was terrible. It sullied the name of Worms. <laughs> it was so bad. Because, um, you know, I went into it like actually excited because it's been a very long time since I've played a Worms game. But I remember we used to play them growing up and it was like fun that turn base, like back and forth of like yeah. you get all the ridiculous weapons and you're trying to make the shots on that like 2D kind of board. And they were like stupid but fun and so that's what i was expecting but this one is like an actual like real-time fps but the problem is is they still move like worms so like it's so slow and it feels so bad to control and like it just it doesn't translate well at all to the new style of like being a competitive kind mm -hmm, of like mm -hmm real-time shooter and it just feels like everything that worked for it as old worms did not work in the new worms and it was just i've never been so bored playing a oh, game no. before than I'm when so i had sorry. to play worms rumble i'm so, so sorry don't do it it's terrible <laughs> oh man uh well mine i mean i i'm a big fan of rocket league as you know played a mm -hmm. lot of rocket league not that i'm an amazing player but you know it's, it's a fun game i really like it and so I was very excited to try out Destruction All-Stars uh, when that came yeah. out. And I think it's not that it's a terrible game. Like we 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 checked it out and and I mean, it controlled fine. It was it was just very bland as much personality as it tried to have. And, and 
the kind of style mm-hmm. of game you can see what it's going for, right? This kind of fun character action. Like I was just saying about Apex, the different characters yeah, and the exactly. personality. It's going for that kind of style. And it's it's really going for that and it's really trying its best. But I mean, in terms of like what I expected, especially since it was a PS5 exclusive game, like it was the PS Plus offering that was strictly for PS5 users. It was it's a full price game that was supposed to come out and it got a bit delayed and then ended up being put on PS Plus, which maybe was a damning sign from the start in terms of like going from an $80 retail price to to free on on PS Plus, but you know, it it just it had potential, but it I just think it lacked any real personality or kind of substance. And I'm sure maybe it might get updated, but at least when I played it for for the show, I I was pretty disappointed in terms of what I wanted from something like that. So, um Hopefully it improves. Maybe I'll check it out in the future, like we said. But I, I think it would take mm-hmm. a pretty substantial kind of reworking or update or new game mode or something to to really uh, change that perception on there. So mm-hmm. yeah, Destruction All Stars. It's too bad, but I think maybe I liked it a bit more than you liked Worms. Let's just maybe say that. <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope you did. Um, okay, and we'll end off PS Plus with a little bit more positivity. So what's a game you were not lucky enough to to get in our PS Plus catalog as like one of your games for the month? Um, but you will eventually go and play. Uh, well, I mean, two answers for this kind of my, my first answer is that um, I would like to go back and actually play some more Hollow Knight just because I know you, like you and another one of my friends, especially are, are huge fans of Hollow Knight. And I, I didn't put it for my answer here because technically I did get to try it. And right. so it would kind of not be in the spirit of answering this, but that would be the game I'd like to go back and play the you know most. What, you know, what's a really cute coincidence as you said that. So I have... Um, like a bunch of wallpapers on my computer and I just have them set to like cycle through all of them. They're they're wonderful. And um, just as you said that, I can see a little bit like, you know, I don't have all of my screen covered. So I'm kind of looking at the background a little bit and I've got my notes and stuff up. But just as you said that, one of the like screenshots I took in Hollow Knight came into focus as the wallpaper. And I just thought to myself like, oh, Hollow Knight's beautiful. And just (laughs) as I thought that, Hollow Knight, yeah. <laughs> so I highly recommend yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> Hollow Knight. But my my real answer was going to be I was looking through the list and honestly like a lot of the games that I'm really drawn to playing on PS Plus over the last year that I haven't I didn't play because of PS Plus, I've already played them uh, mm. just outside of that. So the my answer is going to be Middle Earth Shadow of War. And okay. you know I I don't know a whole lot about the game, but I just remember getting Shadow of Mordor back kind of in the early PS4 days and I I thought that game was was actually pretty interesting i mean it's it's kind of open world what you expect like climb the towers and mm-hmm. unlock the map kind of thing but some of the skills you get later on are pretty cool like i remember you i had this skill where i could shoot this this light arrow and then teleport to where it lands and there was a lot of cool movement and some of the some of the combat actually felt pretty good and then it was also really um you know well beloved for that that what's it called the nemesis system right where where you mm-hmm. uh the, yeah. the the enemies are kind of building up rivalries in the background and I, and I'm interested to see more than anything how that system kind of evolved and what the the sequel ended up being I think there was some controversy around Shadow of War when it first came out maybe I think maybe there was like loot boxes or something just maybe that's completely wrong and it's coming out of my head the wrong way but I remember something like that so I w- I would imagine now that it's been out for a few years now and it's been on PS Plus maybe they've fix some of the problems and I'd, I'd like to try that at some point just maybe more as an experiment yeah, more than anything that's right i i was the one that took that one for the month so that's why you didn't play it and i wasn't yeah, super yeah. keen on it so hopefully hmm. you enjoy it more than i did um but i've got here this was really easy for me these are two games that i knew i wanted to play regardless and then both happened to come to ps plus uh, and that's final fantasy 7 remake 
Uh, and also the other one is Control, which was one of the oh, games man. you played and really enjoyed. Yeah, so so good. both of those are both of those are already games that I had high on my list, and and now I love that they're on PS Plus. I can conveniently play them on PS Five. Oh yeah, um, Seven Remake. So, yeah. You gotta try it. It's, it's yeah, it's I'm amazing I'm game. really looking forward to it. So really, it just really yeah, good. save me some money. Uh, I PS Plus. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get into the new questions that we did not have on the quiz last time. Uh, the first one being this, Kate, which is your favorite single player game you played this year? Well, I think nobody's going to be surprised at Sekiro. Come on. <laughs> of course. I spoke about it in depth last episode, so I won't, uh, I won't make, I will make you listen to it once again, but yeah, Sekiro, clear answer. Nice. No contest. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> mine is, uh, I, I went a little bit off the path with this one. I've played I mean, I haven't beat as many games as I did the previous year since that happened. I don't know if it's because I've been checking out more stuff for the podcast or whatnot. And I mean, mm -hmm. I beat the Royal this year. I'm not going to list it as my game. I've, I've talked about Persona too much, but I really want to shout out Maquette here, that puzzle game I played a few months ago oh, for okay. PS Plus. Yeah. Um, that game was just something so unique that I, I don't think I played a portal, like, sorry, a puzzle game uh, <laughs> that unique, maybe for especially like a first person one since portal or portal two not that i'm putting it anywhere near kind of the realm of those games because those are really legendarily beloved kind of you know mm -hmm. genre defining puzzle games but maquette is very interesting and the, the mechanics they put in there and in terms of like playing with perspective and, and growing not only your environment and different objects in size but then later you're kind of growing and shrinking your own character in, in the same way and it, it gets really in depth and and i i'm a big fan of it so i would definitely recommend maquette and i i think that's what i'm gonna um have to shout out here i i mean there's a lot of games and on any different day i might pick a different first like mm -hmm. a different single player game to shout out here i really enjoyed control i enjoyed final fantasy 7 um but maquette was just something very unique so i wanted to give it a shout out that's awesome and i think that's, that's such a good sign like you know and it's really hard to compare things like how do you compare control to maquette right like mm -hmm. they're yeah. so vastly different and that's awesome that we've, we've had a lot of really good yeah. experiences I mean, yeah and it had a great story too it was another aspect that i think is is not really expected when you go into a puzzle game and, and so that was something mm -hmm. that I, I mean i didn't really know it had too much of a story and then i booted up and it's actually pretty heartfelt you know and and uh yeah it's just really cool that's awesome um okay and another question in a similar kind of vein um but this time what is your favorite co-op experience of the year um i got a short answer for this one just because i haven't talked about it on the show yet but uh okay. me and me and ash have been playing a lot of it takes two and we're getting really mm -hmm. close to the end and uh, I, i'm going to talk about it on the show so uh, probably on either the next episode or the one after depending how i know we got some e3 stuff coming up uh, on the next show so i don't know if we're going to have a ton of time but within the next couple episodes i'll be talking about our experience uh, with it takes two and we've had a just an awesome time and it's one of the best co-op games i've played in a long time so so uh, it takes two is is great that's awesome um okay i've actually kind of got a question in a similar vein very different game but um i went back to divinity original sin 2 i know i talked about it a lot on the show but it's it's been a while because i think i kind of finished it near um the, the early on in, was, in our yeah. in our podcasting history um, but that's a game, yeah, my boyfriend and I played it together and I think it's just, it's an amazing game. I easily could have won favorite single player game. Um, but the co-op is, is so well baked into it, um, that we just had such a good time, not just playing the game, but also like all the little moments I think were that in between gameplay, like, you know, making decisions or what, what dialogue option should we pick for this person? And like, oh, you know, should we help this person or should we not help them? Um, there's so many little moments where you, you stop and, and you're, you're trying to 
problem solve together and so it was it was a game that's just amazing in its own right but was really enhanced i think by playing co-op um yeah, so yeah that, i think so that too. game is phenomenal um okay and then the next question and so this one's kind of a fun one just what's a funny recent gaming experience <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, you know, this one, I don't know if you're going to have the same answer as me, Kate, but I really loved playing We Were Here too. And I, the more I look back mm. on it with you and having those <laughs> hilarious glitches and like, oh my God, the door's not open. Okay, <laughs> the door opened, but now the cubes, I can't move the cubes. And like, and meanwhile, you're like, oh my God, the, the stairs are falling away. Like the lab is going to get me. And just, <laughs> we went from like frustration and not being able to figure out if something was wrong to like, no, we definitely know what we're doing. There's just a glitch happening to like, oh my God, this is so frustrating to just like having this funny experience with this yeah, game. Yeah, we, we had transcended the situation to something like, oh my God, you'll never guess what's gone wrong this time. Yeah, it was just the perfect storm of, I think we were just in the right mood to kind of deal with some of the jank and, and it ended up being mm -hmm. an enjoyable experience that added to our, our to our game, I think. So I, I really think that was just one of the funniest things and that's gotta be my answer for sure. That's awesome. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I, I agree that is one of the best funny co-op things um but i'm glad i picked something else just to get a second story in here so recently um i've been playing my friend zane bought um the new pokemon snap Ooh, very exciting. and so we've been playing a bit of it and it, it's pretty good we're enjoying it um i mean he's he's played a lot um and i've played some of it with him and so we kind of at the point now where like he's unlocked all the courses and we kind of have everything like completed but there's still a lot of like you know points to get in certain pictures and you know there's those puzzle aspects of like getting the you know pokemon to do the specific thing that you get a picture of and so there's actually still a lot of content to play but we're kind of like you know you only take it so seriously but some of the ways that the professor ranks these pictures is so funny like he doesn't care about so many of your artistic decisions like he's like how big is the pokemon and that's basically the only <laughs> thing he cares about and he's like oh yeah size is like for some reason that category because it ranks like there's a few categories it ranks kind of like similar to the first snap but for some reason size is like quadruple the points of everything else it, it's really interesting though because you kind of have like your your cursor and it kind of aims like a shooter right it's like the on rails and you're taking pictures but what it does is it lets you and i think i don't think the original game had this i think the original game just sensed if it was like in the picture but it lets you specifically like there's a the picture box that you're taking a picture of and then it also has like a cursor you put it on a specific pokemon and like it denotes that that is the pokemon you're you're mainly taking a picture of so that right. way if there's like three pokemon in the frame you're like i'm specifically picking like this wingle and so like when you're giving the professor the pokemon at the end it's like oh this is a picture of wingle even though maybe it has like three other pokemon in the picture that's how it tells which mm -hmm, like pokedex mm -hmm. part it's getting applied to but sometimes it ends up with like the funniest stuff. So he already like scores it and like you cannot predict what he's going to say when you go to the score. Like you might think you've done something really like great and it's like horrible and then he's vice like, versa all the time. He's, he's like, yeah, he has no like logical reasoning for some of his decisions. Um, and then so it also like with the, the selecting Pokemon, it's kind of weird because sometimes you'll be like, oh, here's like a picture of like um, Pikachu. He's like right in the front of the picture. But it's like, oh, there was a Trubbish like way the fuck in the background. And it's like a picture of Trubbish. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been having so much fun with that. But like recently we've had a couple times and just even yesterday we had some times where like he can't tell what's in the picture. So like I had this beautiful picture of 
Waylord that I'd taken. He was like coming out from behind this rock. He was in like 80% of the picture because he's so big. It was like one of the best pictures I'd ever taken. I was so excited I'd gotten him with his mouth open, which was hard to do. And I was so excited to show him my Waylord picture. I was like, there's going to be so many points. And we get to the end. I'm like, here you go, my pictures. And he's like, oh, I don't see a Pokemon in here. Are you and kidding? And it's like, the picture's like 80% of it is Waylord. Like there's <laughs> nothing else in the picture. And he's like, yeah, there's no Pokemon in this picture. I can't, I don't know who this is. It's like, it's a big fucking whale. <laughs> and he's like, I don't, what is this? And then, so we did that run and I was like, oh, I can't believe it. And then the next run I did, I there were just some like nuts on the ground, like some acorns that had fallen off of this tree. And I took a picture of it because I was like, oh, acorns, like, haha, that's funny. And then we get to the end and he's like, oh, that's a great picture of a worm pole you've taken. And like, we're There's both no looking like, where the, the hell is worm pole? <laughs> like, I just took a picture of nuts. And so like, I submitted it because like, well, I want to see how many points my nuts got. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, and like the, the picture that was already in the Pokedex, because you can only, it's like previous snap, you can only have one of each Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, right. And so like, he'll score it, show you the two scores, and then you choose which one to keep. And so Zane had already taken a, like a really nice picture of this worm pole, like crawling along a tree stump like it was so nice you could send it on a postcard and my picture of nuts with wormhole like nowhere visible was only like a hundred points off of his like beautiful crawling along a tree and that, that's just insulting and, towards your friend you know so we were cracking up because we're like what is this guy he thinks wormhole is in this picture but he can't see this massive whale <laughs> like who are you to I'm judge like, my pictures at this point it's so obvious <laughs> right it's like i don't think he's a real professor like Pokemon it's just snap, so man. like yeah so we just had such a good time like just taking like progressing into like these are these dumb pictures like what is he gonna say about it and so <laughs> that's awesome yeah, I can't wait I, to try I, that game out, but I mean, it sounds a bit frustrating for sure from what I've heard. For the most part, it's great. Like, it is genuinely really fun and, like, it works well 80% of the time, but 20% of the time you just get these, like, silly things. Like, it just doesn't interpret it the way that you wanted it to and, and maybe you controlled it slightly weird with the way you had the cursor at the time. And mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it, it's just kind of funny, but yeah, I've been enjoying Pokemon Snap and it's just been a really <laughs> hilarious time. <laughs> Especially with shit like that happening to you. Yeah, 100%. exactly. Wow. All right, Kate. So next question. What's the worst game you've played this year? Was um, it so Worms Rumble? Worms Rumble, easily. Um, but I, I'm kind of double dipping because I, I've picked this game called Quest Hunter. <laughs> so oh, I think you this, told me about this before. I don't even yeah, know how this so came into existence. This this I originally had as my funny game experience. And I thought I could double dip a little bit because it's also objectively the worst game I've ever played. Maybe even worse than Worms. But it's this game and... Um, a friend that, you know, one of the guys I normally play with, he found this game and he's like, oh, it's co-op, like couch co-op, like we could play it. It looks fun. It's kind of like a, I don't know, like a top-down RPG and you sort of have to like just go around and do these little quests and like, oh, you know, my might, might, might be cool. We should play it. And it's just terrible. Like it feels awful. The quests are like the most bare bones, terrible quests you've ever played. Like there's no really distinction between the four characters that you get to play as the controls feel awful like combat is literally like you know how like base skyrim the combat yeah, is like yeah. you just go up mm -hmm. and you like flail your, your sword. sword and like eventually something dies and yeah, so like there's like no contact yeah there's no contact like it's just it's so bad but we started it on new year's day i specifically remember you know we'd had our new year's eve 
whatever we'd done to celebrate and then new year's day we're like we're gonna start quest hunter and we the whole time we're like this game is terrible like it's just awful like <laughs> i can't believe it like they were like i can't believe you bought this and so but we played it for like five hours <laughs> And we spent the whole time being like, this game is terrible. Like, why are we still playing? But like, we just kept like making fun of it the whole time. We must have played for like five straight hours, like just like harping on it, but like having a good time. And ever since then, we've never sat down and played again. But every now and again, one of us just pops up and we're like, hey, so like, we're going to play some Quest Hunter tonight. <laughs> and we haven't gone back. We're like, we've agreed that like one day we've got to finish this game. Like it's just become like such a like a meme inside our inside our group. God bless you um, if you do. Yeah. So never oh, ever play Quest Hunter. It's terrible. But like, oh boy, we're having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're right in the mood for it, right? Yeah, but, you got to uh, be in the mood to like, you know, it's just like when you watch like a really bad horror movie and just yeah, like laugh yeah. about it. It's it's the gaming equivalent of that. Yeah. Um, so for mine, I, I, I don't have a funny story as much about it as much as I just think like it's a bit of a hot take because mine I wrote down is PUBG. And this okay. is another game I played through PS Plus and I didn't put it as my most disappointing game because I wasn't really going in with too many expectations. But man, like mm -hmm. I just I don't know how people can still play this, to be honest with you, Um especially in terms of like we've said there's a lot of different great battle royales that are out like there's even there's valorant mm -hmm. now there's a bunch of different ones that are just getting a lot of good reviews people seem to really like them and yet PUBG just has this following still as far as i know i know the numbers are probably going down a bit but that game was just it looked like something from windows 2000 you know when i played it like <laughs> just kind of square environments and bad textures and the, it didn't feel good to control I, I mean i remember shouting out like trying to think of a positive about it when i was talking about it on the show and i remember if i don't know if you remember this but i was like yeah it's really cool like as you're aiming down the sights you can kind of lean left or right to look around corners <laughs> and like that was the <laughs> That, that was, was the, the thing. best thing you could come up with. That was like the most unique thing. And I like that's not even unique to it. Like Battlefield, I'm pretty sure, has that, or some of the newer Call of Duties and whatever. So it's not even like that was too amazing. I I just don't really understand the the fervor for this thing, I guess. Like I I think I think what it was is it was one of the first battle royales. So I think maybe like the kind of like concept carried it yeah. a bit. And then I think too it has like a bigger PC following. So maybe it like plays a little bit nicer. I mean, maybe there. I, I think it gets a lot of its following because it's it's quote unquote the most realistic in terms of um, yeah like maybe the most realistic in terms of the HUD it gives you or like the guns are the most realistic or you can I I kind of see and, it being like I kind of see it like appealing to more of like the people on PC who are really big like Counter Strike yeah yeah fans I think people who are like into that kind of like aesthetic would would maybe enjoy it more so than some of the like more action or cartoony battle I guess so. that, but are, then that are out i just but... don't know why those people wouldn't want to play warzone more than because warzone's not particularly unrealistic or like futuristic or anything like that so i don't know to each their own like i'm happy a lot of people tend to enjoy PUBG, but i just couldn't i don't see any appeal honestly and i don't ever <laughs> want to play it again or <laughs> go near it again. Well, we will never make you i promise <laughs> it's gonna be okay <laughs> it's gonna be okay um you're gonna, so you're gonna come out of this a stronger person <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh let's get past pubg though I, would need, I need to get that out of my mind um what is the coolest or create most creative new mechanic that you've come across okay well i mean you've already taken that in pubg you can like tilt to the corner a little bit so i'm gonna have to come up with something different than that <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and I, I'm going to do a quick shout out just to Sekiro's combat because I've spoke yeah. about it way too much on the podcast, but it is just, it's so unique and it's such a cool system. I love it. So quick shout out to that. Um, but I'm going to go with the, the wind mechanic in Ghost of Tsushima. Ooh, nice. Um, I just love how they've done the map in that game and the way that like, if you're in a quest or you've just even selected somewhere on the map, you want to go instead of having like a mini map or a quest marker or something like that, you follow the wind, the wind blows in the direction of where you've indicated that you want to go. And it works and so, so well. It works so well. It's really clear and easy to follow. Um, but it also, it makes the game feel so like beautiful and immersive to be in because they've really done such a good job with the art to make like all the flowers and the grass blow in the wind. And there's always like leaves falling from trees that get picked up and swirled around by it. And so you follow that. And I find that like, I tend to look so much more about around my environment I'm in. Whereas like when you have a mini map or a quest marker you're following, even in a game like they say Red Dead Redemption 2, which I think is like also like an absolutely stunning environment. You spend a lot of time looking at your mini-map to make sure you're going the right way. So the wind removes that kind of like element of, of just, you know, like I'm playing a video game and it really just kind of like lets you exist in that world a lot more naturally. And then if you're not following the wind or something, there's often times where like you know, a bird will fly by and if you follow the bird, it might take you to like a, a hidden little point of interest or something. So I think like it's such a subtle, small detail, but it completely changes the way the game feels to play. And I think it's so smart. I've never been so like naturally directed in a game, but still have like full control of like, I this is my destination. I want to go here. I want to do this quest. Um, but it, it it's still, but it like it's the perfect balance of getting both of those things, where you're you're in control, you're not lost, you're not just you know exploring or wandering. You're you've got a goal, you're going there, but you're going there like with the game, not mm -hmm. based off of like following a map. Yeah, so totally organic. I, think, I, I agree. Yeah, I, it's it, that was it's, one of my shout outs too. Like I I yeah, love Tsushima. Like it's amazing. Of it. <laughs> that wind is is great, and it it works so well. Like that's just the part that blew me away. Even if you need to. You know, you might need to navigate around a, a mountain or like some water or something that's in your way, but you still know which direction you're going, even if you have to kind of face a different direction, head north instead of west for a little bit. But you can always follow mm -hmm. the wind. It always is helpful. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, the wind's great. Um, but I, that wasn't my main answer. I actually put down Gora Goa for my answer. I don't know if you remember this, but this is uh, one of the puzzle games I played, I think, early on in the show as well. And this was actually a phone game that I played, although it's on Switch and everything as well. But this is the game where you're you're kind of zooming in and out of pictures and lining them up together and lining up like, okay, well, there's a little door on the cover of this book. So if I zoom in on the book and then put it next to this house that the person is standing next to over on the left side of my screen, then all of a sudden they can walk through this door. And then when I zoom out again, they're all of a sudden on the cover of this book because oh, they went through the, the door on yes. the cover, for example. I remember this game. You you like came over and showed me the game on your phone because you're like, this is so cool. You got to look at this. And it was like, it was so creative. Yeah, I just never experienced a game... So, I mean, I'm sure there's games that do something similar. There's a lot of creative different puzzle games out there. Like I just talked mm -hmm. about Maquette too, but but to me, Gora Goa is just something else. And the depth that this game gets to, it really is something that you, I mean, I think everyone should buy this game and play it. I think it's like 10 bucks or less to, and everyone has a phone, right? So just 
you got to play Goragoa. The, the way these puzzles interact and and some of the ways you have to zoom in and out are just, you'd never expect it. And then you zoom in and look at this little corner of, of a town or something, you realize there's another door or sometimes there's like a ladder your character needs to climb up and you see a ladder that's in the sky or something in the stars and you'll you'll zoom in on that and then move it around and all of a sudden your character can just move to this brand new location and it's just something else it's it's really confusing at certain points but if you just take a second and and explore and it, it's almost like an eye spy in certain places where you need to to really look at the consider what you're looking at and how it can be aligned with other areas that you're you have available but when you when you figure it out and kind of get into the groove it's it's something else and i really really think it's one of the most standout mechanics i've probably ever ran into let alone just this year so goragoa for sure mm -hmm. for me but uh, yeah awesome. shout out to the wind in tsushima that's I mean, mm -hmm. phenomenal as well absolutely um, <clears throat> what is your best <laughs> boss fight of the year kate um so again this is you know you can groan a I'm not going to talk about Sekiro, um, <laughs> but like the final boss fight and some of the other boss fights in the game are like, you know, probably the coolest boss fights I've ever played in a game. I love them. But I want to talk about um, God of War, actually. Hell yeah. Which one? Um, specifically the first and the final boss fight. So maybe cover your ears if you don't want some God of War spoilers, um, but I, I've got to say the, the two fights in conjunction when you fight Balder for the first time and then mm -hmm. when you fight Balder at the end, they're both, first of all, they're both amazing fights just in their own right. Um, it really sets the tone and starts out really well, uh, gets you kind of grooving with the combat when you first fight Balder. And he also shows up, he adds like a lot of like mystery and intrigue into the game because you don't know who he is, you don't know why he's here uh, at your house, he's just shown up to pick a fight. Um, and like, so he kind of like <laughs> he does. starts the game off on a really good foot. You know, he's quite a bit smaller than Kratos, and you, you're like, oh, you idiot! Like, you don't want to. You do. Do you know who you're talking to? Like, you don't want to pick a fight with Kratos. And then he like uppercuts you like, like into the next dimension, and like Kratos is like, oh shit! Like, oh, I gotta shit. take this seriously. This. And you're like, you're picking up trees and like cracking mountains, and like it's super epic. It's almost like Dragon um, Ball Z in a lot of it, ways. It really like, breaking, is like, like breaking the environment. It's so over the top, but in like a really like throwback God of War kind of way. Um, but then you fight him again at the end. And this fight is very different because it's now like you and Atreus fighting him together. And you're both equally as important in the fight. And I think like it was, again, a really fun fight that kind of showcased a lot of the, the potential of the combat. But I think... It also was so good in terms of story to kind of show through gameplay just how strong of a bond and how much Kratos and Atreus have grown together. Um, because it, this game is very much about their journey and those two like building their relationship and connecting and opening up to each other. And this final fight, like or like encompasses that so well and so i think like not only are they great fights just in terms of of them being really fun and, and being really cinematic and and being a joy to play but it also like does such a good job of like tying together just how much these characters have grown throughout their journey i'm totally with you on that i think i think it, it shows like kratos and none of the other god of war games i don't think he's ever needed assistance from another character to to defeat one of the other enemies right but in, in this game maybe there's one or two examples but in this game like like you said he really relies on atreus and it shows you know like 
maybe he's getting a bit older maybe he's not realized just how powerful his son is but i mean atreus is vital to that and and you're Mm -hmm. right it exemplifies their relationship and it's on top of that it's just fun to play too like that those the mechanics and like the fight against balder like he's he's formidable and you really feel like you gotta you know execute well maybe not like flawlessly it's not like the, the toughest game in the world but it's the combination of just how fun it is to fight him in like tandem with those story elements yeah it's phenomenal mm-hmm. exactly and i think like there's just there's a moment too where like at the beginning of the game kratos is very much like holding back atreus like he's trying to protect him and shelter him and you know he he's he's sort of like he doesn't allow him to live up to his full capacity and i think like you know it's very much like your kratos your perspective is your your you know you're raising atreus is your son but i think kratos learns more from atreus than atreus learns from Kratos in a lot of ways and so after you've kind of like been holding him back the whole time and like trying to protect him there's a moment in the fight where it's like Kratos calls on him and he's like Atreus like you like it's up to you almost like he kind of like Mm -hmm. gives Mm -hmm. him like a a really important part that like and he like that trust of like knowing that Atreus is going to be able to do it and is really strong because it's like it's Kratos is not really open to trusting others or he's very much a, like I work alone kind of like well he hasn't even needed own wolf before, kind of know? character. Yeah, not only would he never need help but also like he would never accept help because he doesn't he's very closed off and angry and he doesn't build relationships with other people. So for him to be kind of the one you know sort of asking Atreus to do something for him kind of like I think it was a big moment like also just for him personally and mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it felt no, really cool to be like yeah it really felt really cool to be like Atreus like go it's time and then Atreus obviously executes it perfectly because he's a wonderful little boy <laughs> and, um, <laughs> he's very he's very capable himself and and it was just it's it's awesome like man, I went back and reason. just kind of rewatched it and like oh man like I got chills <laughs> you do it's another reason I can't wait to play Ragnarok later like going back to the mm-hmm. previous answer man it's gonna be good exactly uh my answer for your favorite boss fight, I'm really not going to talk about it too much because it is the final boss fight of uh, The Last of Us Part Two, which, of course, okay. implies heavy spoilers for uh, those that have not played it, including you. So I don't want to spoil it for you because I know you're getting really yeah. close to the end of the, the first game and I'm, I'm sure you're going to play the second. But what I will say about it is, um, and this is spoiler free, is whether you end up, whatever you think is going to be the resolution of the story of Part Two, because, I mean, it's not out of the realm, you'll kind of guess how the game might end but how, whether you mm. expect it or not the stakes are just so high the the way that the characters that are involved and the and the people that are involved in that last boss fight the stakes are just incredibly high and, and it really leaves the the player guessing of what the outcome of the fight's going to be like you don't know who's going to live and who's going to die by the end and just has a sense of tension and what i loved about it more than even more than that is that you know, you have to play through it because it's a game. So you're you're bit ta- sitting there tapping buttons, trying to, you know, fight this boss, and and you can't look away because you have to beat it. But in in other mediums, you might be like, oh man, it's too stressful. You know, I got to close my eyes. But in in The Last of Us, you're you're forced to play through it and watch it, and it's very emotional, very very stressful, and uh, it's just wonderfully executed. I think so. I can't wait till you get there because I'd love to to talk about it mm-hmm. more in depth but that's all i'll say about that for now but amazing boss fight not in terms okay. of like challenge and, and whatnot but just in terms of what it means to the story of the last of us is uh is phenomenal so okay that's well, i'm that. i'm really looking forward to it that is that is on the horizon for sure anyways let's go to the next question which is the character you fell in love with the most 
Um, so I, I put down, and I kind of spoke about it, ended up speaking about it before earlier in the quiz, but um, I put down the Persona 5 crew just oh, yeah. for what I said about before. And I don't think that they're necessarily like the best written characters, especially when you compare it to something like God of War that's really character-driven and it's it's all about, you know, two characters and their relationship. But yeah. As an ensemble, just, though, you know, like yeah, it's an amazing Yeah, as cast. an ensemble, they're great and um not necessarily any one of them individual but i think it's just you know all the, the amount of time that you spend in that game and just slowly kind of building relationships and getting to know them it's just they they feel like very like special believable and like real characters so i just fell mm-hmm. in love with with the whole crew in that game it's a great shout um for me my answer is actually miles morales from spider-man miles morales um mm-hmm. I, I think he he was so well characterized in that game and i remember uh, when I played it, I was I was so blown away by like the way that they were able to convey that he wasn't quite as experienced as like Peter Parker as Spider Man in the mm-hmm. in the first game because just some of the things he would say he was very unsure of himself and be asking Pete for advice or or he'd say things to himself like oh man I I hope I hope this works out or you know whereas Pete would be more like hey I'm gonna take care of this like no problem and uh, you know he's very much the apprentice but he's he's still got the chops you know and and the other thing mm-hmm. i really liked about him as, as a character was i i loved how they showed that no he's still such a young kid you know like his his friend mm-hmm. genki in the the guy in the chair right as <laughs> as they call it in spider-man he's he's helping miles out on the intercom but then at the same time you're swinging through the city and and they're talking about doing their homework or like oh man did you do the homework <laughs> for tomorrow you know they're still just kids and and having this kind of dual relationship as far as fighting crime and saving new york city but then also um you know having to make it through high school and and everything like that and then you also throw in some other interpersonal relationships that he has with the main villain and and he's got an uncle that that has some interesting story elements and kind of is a bigger part of the story than you'd be led to expect at the start and i i just think that miles is characterized so well and then also characterized off of his relationships with the other people in the game that he's he's just such a well-developed character and i can't wait to see how his relationship continues to evolve in the sequels. And I mean, obviously there are going to be a lot more games in that universe coming, coming out of uh, Miles Morales and, and the the first Spider-Man 2018. So I'm, I'm just really excited to see how he grows. And this Marvel stuff has all just done so well, whether it's the movies or these games. So, so uh, yeah, Miles is, Miles is great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, Sounds very really like, very really like grounded humanizing kind of aspect to the especially and i guess that's kind of like usually spider-man sort of shtick so it's good that they nailed that really well well yeah especially in like games too because video games are you're often this you know unbeatable badass kind of character and there's there's examples of the opposite too but more often than not you're you're some badass that like cheers when they Mm -hmm. shoot 100 guys in the head right so so having miles morales and and be so much more grounded and still such a young kid but also doing these huge monumental fights and and battles and stuff is is it's awesome. I was gonna say, like, I mean, that that's the best side. Oftentimes, we're doing these cool, really cool, monumental things, but oftentimes, we're doing something really, really stupid. Um, <laughs> so true. So, yeah. so, what was your biggest yell at the screen? No, you idiot! Don't do that. Moment. <laughs> I gotta say, this this was probably the question that I had the most difficulty answering for the for the mm-hmm. entire quiz. But but I settled on. Um, I don't remember if you remember me talking about this game, but bury me, my love, back on the Switch. I played it uh, near the start of the podcast, and it's the game where it's kind of one of those lost cell phone games where you're mm-hmm. a guy who's texting his girlfriend, and she's 
she's in a country that's in the middle of kind of a, a state of war and she's oh, trying to, yes, to escape and, and get across the border to safety and and find some refuge and and your role in the game is choosing kind of texting her back and forth and choosing what advice to give her or um you know she's like oh man do you think i should you know, take a ride from this guy he said he can get me across the border or i found this group i've been walking with and if we continue this way in three days then we're gonna make it and and we've heard there's not a lot of guards mm -hmm. but i'm not sure you know and and you're trying to just just give advice you know and then that game was really nerve-wracking at certain points when you'd, you'd say and if that was the example you'd say you know like you've been going with this group for three days like you've gotten along with these people well i think you should stay with them because you're pretty close and like you trust these guys right and mm -hmm. then she would stop responding for what was two or three days within the game and then you'd be getting kind of worried you know she might have lost service what happened was she killed and then she'll reply back and she's like Oh, I took a ride with the guy. We're we're in this country now, and I'm I'm fine, but I'm with this guy, and and I'll, I'll see you in a day. And then she won't respond. Right. Just like, what and are you like, doing? Like, oh god, oh my did god, she you know, say? Did it yeah. turn out is she gonna be in this guy's trunk as a corpse in a couple of days? Like, you just don't yeah. know. And so, um, you know, you get to know their relationship a bit. It's it got a bit of a romance. Obviously, they're they're mm -hmm. dating and whatnot. So it, you just <laughs> some of the decisions she makes, she's very impulsive compared to the advice I was giving her. Maybe I should have been a bit more reckless, but. But um, yeah, there's some definitely some interesting moments. And I definitely had a few points where I was like, you idiot, like you're definitely going to get killed. Like this is not going to turn out well. And somehow mm -hmm. she more often than not was was good news. So I, I guess uh, that teaches me something. But, <laughs> but uh, I definitely had those moments with Bury Me, My Love. Awesome. That game sounds, sounds really neat, too. I want to check it out. Um, OK, well, mine is was kind of a little bit. Well, I guess kind of almost similar in a way, but it's also dumb. Is um, I played Resident Evil Biohazard, so oh, yeah. RE7, sure, there's which a few was of those awesome. In that game. Awesome, I really enjoyed it. Um, but the premise of that game is is you are Ethan and you go to Ethan, <laughs> Ethan, <laughs> exactly. Um, you're not looking for Jason this time, though. You're looking for your wife. Um, or your girl, I don't know if it's your wife or your girlfriend or anyway, your, your partner. And she's been missing for like two years or like quite a substantial period of time, um, bef before the game takes place. And you finally tracked her down and she's in, she's involved with that, that like Florida family that, you know, how all the marketing was about that, that, that creepy family that the you scariest, go into. You know? The scariest family of all time. Yeah. They're horrifying. And so you, you obviously the best thing to do is to go into that house by yourself and to start like investigating and it's like all right i'm already kind of drawing the line on what i would do uh if i was in this guy's shoes <laughs> yeah. but you know it's like it's your girlfriend you gotta go find her and like you know You're it's obligated. been two years closure like you know he's, he's really gonna get a lot of points in this relationship like he's on it um, and then, you know, he gets involved with a the family. They're awful. They're trying to kill him and, and eat him. And it's terrible. And then he, he meets his wife. And I don't think this is a spoiler because I think it might have been in the trailer. But she, like, turns out she's been kind of brainwashed in a way. Why and am I not surprised? she ends up, like, cutting your hand off with, like, an axe or something. And at that point, I'm saying to myself, like, look, man, you tried she's fucked up she cut your hand off i think, I think like it's already been over yeah it's already been two years i think maybe it's just best you move on and of course you don't you spend the rest of the game um you know in, in getting swept up in the plot and and you know uncovering the mystery and, and all this stuff so you know there's there's a resolution to the end of the game sure but at that point it's like ethan you idiot <laughs> like <laughs> Look, just dude. 
there's other people out there and even if there's not it might just be better to be on your own forever <laughs> like this is <laughs> it's not gonna work out with this girl and so everything the characters do in horror games is like no just go home like please Ethan <laughs> I'm so scared stop <laughs> man I really want to play just, that game and you check go it out deeper but... into the house it's awesome I, I I really enjoyed it I'm excited to play village uh, I might even start it this weekend potentially Ooh. um and it's cool is is village actually like um, I don't know. I don't think you play as Ethan, but he's in the game. So like, yeah, it's kind yeah. of following this new set of characters, which for me is really cool because seven was my first Resident Evil. And so like, I don't know, like I, I recognize the names because they're iconic, but I don't really know a lot about like the really big, like longstanding like Resident Evil. Guys, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like they don't really like mean much to me, but Ethan is someone I'm aware of. So like him being the big name drop in village is also kind of cool. Cause it's like, Oh, that's mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. the, the one that I have played. And so I want to see how that kind of builds. And then also just the game looks great. So. Well, I hope Ethan has some better decisions to make in that game. At yeah. Least. But, uh, we'll see. I, mean, I, I hope so. I hope at so. least he obviously <laughs> survives in seven, I guess it seems. So maybe he didn't make the yeah, worst choices. So. So spoiler, you do you do make it out to the end as Ethan, but um, you know, I, I think your life could have been could have gone in a much better direction had you uh just you know maybe maybe knocked on the door, no one answered. Okay, I'm gonna go home. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Kate, what yeah. is a game you love the concept of so much, but you just don't have the desire to play it? Um, so it's kind of cool. It's it's the game. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Belonging. I've not heard of that. No. Okay, so it's really cool. It's this indie game. I think it came out in 2019, so it's relatively um but it, it the concept is that like you're this shade character and you're waiting 400 days in this like isolated kingdom and you're trying to like wake up the king. And so there's things you can do as as you're you're waiting for him and there's like mysteries to uncover. You can sort of like find passages to go and kind of like solve puzzles to open up more of the kingdom and and kind of like do some do some mysteries and like uncover stuff but the kind of interesting concept about the game is that it goes in real time oh, so interesting. the game actually lasts 400 days what and you can beat the game by literally just waiting for 400 days and the king will wake up nothing you do like forces the king to wake up it isn't like a puzzle you're solving it's just this this like passage of time and you have like a little room that you re can relax in and your character can like read a book or like just kind of chill out for the 400 days and wait or like you know when you kind of explore a bit you sort of uncover a little bits and pieces and, and there's kind of like places maybe you're not supposed to be but you, you sort of like force your way in there and, and it opens up a little bit but mm. that's that concept like literally 400 days you're waiting that's and cool. so yeah. wow. it's so strange and creative and i i'm really interested in it like but almost more of like to study it or like in a kind of an academic sense um but it just kind of also sounds awful to play because like it's a huge commitment <laughs> and like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there isn't really much to to do, so it's just I'm so intrigued by it, but I also like I just don't know if I want to play it. But like, it comes up from time to time when I think about it, and I I love that it exists. It's such a weird way to like structure a video game, 
That is, that's really unique. I don't think I've ever yeah. heard of anything like that before. Yeah, oh. I really encourage you to look it up. It's like, well, it's 400 days. But it's also one of those things where it's like, I don't really want to watch a Let's Play because like, yeah. oh my God, it's 400 days. <laughs> Who has the time for that? Wow. Exactly. So, wow. yeah. <laughs> well, I think you're going to like my answer for this one. Um, okay. It'll both surprise and delight you. But okay. um, or maybe disappoint you a bit too. But my answer oh, would be... Oh, surprise, light, and disappoint. Well, <laughs> you're going to go through a real emotional roller coaster on this. <laughs> my answer for this game is Sekiro. Um, you know, I, I love that, that so many people, including you love this game so much. Um, mm -hmm. I love the concept of it. You know, I'm, I'm really sold on this whole, the whole like battle system you were talking about and learning the parries. And it, it sounds like mm -hmm. if that's the kind of thing that really will click for you and you want to kind of take the time to not practice, but kind of get acclimated and, and really sink your teeth into it and, and get absorbed into that kind of thing. It, it seems like an insanely enjoyable and Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, a great experience and, and then add on the lore and the, and everything else. But I just, I don't see myself ever getting and feeling that, that strong enough pull to really want to, first of all, I'd have to restart because there's no way I'd want to start halfway through and be expected to take on the tougher enemies without having practice. I mean, maybe yeah. I could use a practice dummy at the start or whatever, but then also I've forgotten a lot of the lore and whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to restart it. And I just, first of all, restarting something, I don't know how appealing that is in and of itself at this point. And yeah. And in combination with like, man, I was stuck. I'm stuck on Lady Butterfly, you know, like she's not the hardest <laughs> boss in the game. And so I, I just think maybe it's a little bit out of my skill set in terms of how much time it would take me to to get good enough at doing it, get good. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I have an admiration for it. And I, I think I'll probably end up watching a Let's Play at some point because I, I would love mm -hmm. to see like how the game, I know I'd be losing out on the mechanical aspect, but just seeing yes. the game and like, and, and having a good enough understanding of how it feels. Like, I think I would still get something out of that, but I don't see myself ever going and playing it. I, I do see myself playing Dark Souls 3 at some point. I would, I would like to mm -hmm. try that out because I really enjoyed Bloodborne and I know that game is compared pretty heavily in terms yes. of its feel. Three feels a lot more like Bloodborne to, to play so, for sure. So yeah, I mean, if they did a Bloodborne 2 at some point, I'll, I'll absolutely oh. check that out. Um, Dark Souls 3 I'd like Witch. to play. Elden Ring maybe even, depending what it ends up being, like you never know, but Sekiro, mm -hmm. I think I'm uh, on the on the, on the the camp of I, I respect it and I think it's cool, but probably won't ever play it yeah i i totally understand and that's that's been what i've been saying about it too is it's if it clicks it's the best game ever if it's not for you you can't force it so yeah, exactly exactly and that leads us <laughs> to the second last question of the quiz kate um we have what is your coolest video game outfit or character design um this is this one was tough because there's a lot of really cool characters in games. Like it's just, it's such a great space to be creative and, and design something. Yeah. Shout out to um, Miles Morales and some of those six suits. Like, man, those are yeah, some of those so much are material cool to pull like, from, from comics and everything. Like looks awesome. Yes. A hundred percent. Like I think every game we've talked about could be a contender Persona um, for this cool question. Um, but I ended up going with Jin from Ghost of Tsushima. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think like, and it just ties into, you know, the visuals being a big part of that game. But some of the armor sets you get are so cool. Oh, and absolutely. it's, it's um, in conjunction with that, the quests to get the armor sets are typically some of the, the best quests in the game I found. So I think that contributes a bit in terms of like, it's really exciting to to get to unlock a new one. And they're really cool. Like you, And they have gameplay considerations as well. Like some are better for... Um, exploring you can kind of like uncover the map a little bit easier some are better for like melee combat they give you some better like stats for soaking damage some are good for like 
I got one recently that um, is good for bow combat. Like it lets mm-hmm. you like draw your mm-hmm. bow a little bit quicker. And so they're just really, really neat. I think they have that perfect blend of being like really cool for like a kind of like fantasy, like really distinct and interesting outfits. And as you upgrade them, they get like new pieces. So like one of my outfits, for example, I just upgraded and it got like a hat portion that's new that adds on to it. Um, but they also like kind of have that really nice like historical like time period aspect to them as well as like a historical fiction. And so I did some looking into it and it's kind of neat. So because um, I was curious to know like well how much how like accurate is Ghost of Tsushima. And so specifically about the armor sets after I'd done some reading of people who are a little bit like even more knowledgeable about the subject. They said that if a lot of the armor sets are quite accurate. They're just not quite the right time period. Mm, okay. So they took a little bit of creative liberty with that, but just even having them be like still like obviously very like based on a lot of like traditional armors and things is it's really cool to see that kind of like adapted into the game. And I just think like I know that like samurai like old ancient like historical like Japanese aspect just really like appeals to me. Yeah, you know and I'm not so, surprised to hear you say that because. I mean, they won so many awards for making that game so faithful to to a lot of the history and like the place of Tsushima. And they they were I know remember we talked about on the show about some of the developers being made honorary citizens of the island and, and whatnot. So I'm not surprised they did their homework on on making it as accurate as possible. Yeah, and I just think they're gorgeous. Like some of the different like cloths that they use, and I love the samurai armor. It has those like um, like the layers of of the mm-hmm, mail as mm-hmm. it goes down and like you can get some like really interesting outfits later that are a bit more like you know they're not necessarily combat related but you just get some like really beautiful like outfits and like i think you can even like unlock like a mongol outfit that's got like the furs on it yeah and yeah so you can they're they're really varied and i like that they have like gameplay consideration i like that you know when you upgrade them they actually do look different like they get like an extra little bit of like flash or like functionality to them and i just think like they're, they just look so cool. I love, like, the only downside is, like, oh, I want to use this one because of, like, the stats it gives me. But, like, oh, man, the other one looks so cool. So yeah, my only yeah. complaint is, like, I like some of them too much that I just want to always be wearing, like, the bow one. But, like, that's dumb when I'm just, like, in town. So Yeah, 100%. That was my only complaint with Tsushima, really, that, like, in, in terms of the armor was just that as much as I like the look of certain ones, it's if I'm trying to do a stealth mission, I, I have to wear the stealth one, you know, or when I'm mm-hmm. roaming the map, it's as I want to wear my cool samurai armor, but the one that shows me where the hidden stuff and the collectibles are, is just so much more useful in that situation that yeah, I wouldn't, wasn't like, always able to wear the armor that I wanted. Like I wish you could in miles Morales, you can take the abilities of one armor and, and wear a different one, but use the abilities of another. And I, I really wish they'd mm-hmm. put that in Tsushima because otherwise I would have been so much more into the fashion. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of like, like, you know, switching it around is sort of cool depending on what you're doing, but it just sort of like, you don't really want to spend that much time going in and out of the menu is the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, So for me, I put, uh, actually, I I thought about this one a lot because like I said, Miles Morales, so many cool suits, like, you know, so many games have just these badass looking characters these days, but I ended up going with Mm -hmm. um, Monster Hunter Rise in terms of the outfits, just because there's so much variety in terms of the armors you can make by defeating different enemies and crafting different weapons and and, uh, armors. And the thing I like so much about it is that the armors look so much like the monsters you carve them from. It's not like you take down like 
Rathalos, who's one of the, the main dragons in the game. And the armor doesn't look like some fantastical version where you end up looking like a Rathalos and, you know, maybe it's a bit anime-like or anything like that. Like, it's not that they don't have those kind of looks to them, but they, they look almost like you really could in real life if these were real monsters take parts of them off and form them into this actual armor. Like you can see on some of them, like, Oh, that those are the claws from that monster I took. And those are now the blades on my ax, for example. Mm-hmm. And, and you, it has this kind of realistic context on how the people in, in that place would actually carve these animals up and, and make the weapons from them. So I really appreciate that. And then that also just combines with the, the variety of animal or animals <laughs> of monsters mm-hmm. in the game and kind just, of animals, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're kind of animals. But they all have, they all, a lot of them have really distinct looks and, and features. Like there's certain ones that, there's one called Baroth, and he's he's like a, kind of like a rhino, I guess you could say. And he he has heavily plated armor and like this hard outside shell. And when you make his armor, you have the same thing. Like you're you're heavily plated and and uh, you you look like this tough, like beast like like he looks when you have the armor and and then there's other ones which are are more light light-footed kind of animals and then you have a very light design on your armor and it's almost like you just you're wearing almost like regular clothes but colored by the the animal's outer shell and and just the way that they're they're so faithful in the designs and that's that's only the armor too like the weapons are just as unique in terms of what they look like compared to the monsters you kill also so I just mm-hmm. I like the the maybe the the effort put into making it as realistic as they could within those armor sets i think are really neat and then and then on top of that they all have different skills as well like depending which like i have a shield uh on my character i use the sword and shield and then my armor boosts uh my defensive stats so i can i can guard bigger attacks because of the armor i'm using in combination with the shield so i I like the way it works mechanically like that and then also just the looks and uh, you can you can also transmog them and like do the color so you can you can change a lot of the color but they don't actually let you so if the if the monster you killed is say red for example on its skin Mm -hmm. your your armor is red all the pieces you would have actually cut off of the monster are red and and when you go to do the color modifications you can only change the the kind of non-monster materials that you put on the armor so like what you're wearing underneath it cloth or like whatever the belt or or like buckles and stuff that's Monster awesome. Hunter. I I think that is actually like the definitive best answer for this question. Like that to me, like I know there's a lot of other like really cool aspects of the game, but like the like creating your equipment off of the monsters is like always been, I think, like the coolest selling point and like why that series is so infamous mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is it's just like it's such an incredibly cool design and yeah exactly like being able to see like the parts of the monster on the outfit is like it's so cool like i've even been playing and i'm oh my god am i gonna say this right i've been playing a bit of um dauntless i always want to call it duelist but i've done it it's (laughs) dauntless and and that's like the free-to-play kind of version of that game and like you know the game itself is fun enough but it's like even still like that's the best part is after you come back from a hunt and you're like oh shit like what kind of armor can i make it's like and then you, mm-hmm. you get it and you're like, you're like, okay, guys, come here. Like, look what armor I built. And like, yeah, they're wearing so like something like else. That. And like that, like that to me is like, that's what stands out about that game. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. It's, it's great. Um, and so I guess that leads us to the last question of the quiz, Kate, which is mm-hmm. what is the biggest comfort food game you've played this year? A nice, a nice, fun, little, simple, cozy <laughs> question to end us off. Exactly. Um, so yeah, mine, mine's funny. I've, 
really enjoyed Solitarica. You you got me on about this game. It was actually one of the free games that Epic gave out like a long oh, time really? ago. Oh, really? Was it? I didn't know yeah. about that. That's what I've got it on is um is Epic Games and it's it's kind of like it's just this little puzzle game and it's got like some cute little trappings like you can get different like skills and abilities but it's basically kind of like what's that like that version of solitaire like it's not regular solitaire it's the one where like oh, spider solitaire no I, yeah I it's spider I think it is spider is it, is, is it um free cell no that's not like it. no i don't know different. i'm guessing i'm just it's the I'm just one where like card games you have a deck of cards and the cards are dealt towards you and you can they're in like five rows or whatever and you can only see like the last one and so it's just a regular deck of cards and you have your deck and then when you pull a card off the top you can then clear a card if it's one higher or one lower so if you pull a oh, four you kind of like cheat in that in that way hey yeah so like you i guess so i'm not very familiar with a lot of these card games to be honest i wouldn't say i'm a big like fan of this genre yeah, but like yeah, yeah. anyway you pull a four and then it's like well you can then clear a three or a five because those are the ones next in sequence and then you take that three and now three is your card so you can now take a, a, a four or a two and so you're kind of like chaining together these like lines how many cards you can get in a row and when you take one from the row like it, it reveals the next one so you want to try to get like a chain of however many and then it's also got like some kind of like that's the the basis of the card game but it's got some game elements added onto it where like the cards are different colors and you get a, a resource of that color when you when you clear one so then you know like this resource will maybe like give me a shield or let me like clear a couple extra cards or like heal me and then um, you play against like different monsters who will like attack you or like make the cards harder to clear in some way. And so like there's a bit of like an RPG like game elements to it that just enhance it from being just a regular card game. And it's it's not super complicated. It's it's really very basic. But I don't know what it is about it. I just find it very like relaxing to play. And I typically play it when I'm like doing something else like if i'm watching um like a, a tv show or like doing something in the background it's kind of like 65 percent of my focus and then i'm just kind of playing it on the side like in the very corner of my desktop and it's just a silly game like i i don't even think it's that great like i don't really have tons to say about it and i don't know why i like it so much but i find that it's like i'll just kind of pull it up and like have it going fairly consistently and i've just i've logged way more hours than i i feel like i should have it's good <laughs> but though like, you know? it's just it's just kind of a nice thing to do and like i just kind of like have it going sometimes and like play a couple cards in the background of doing something else and like just find it very like zen and relaxing so it can be really yes. addicting too when you when you yeah. kind of get the long chains going and you're like two three four five four five six seven six seven you know like in kind of yeah. bouncing back and forth up and down the the sequence of numbers and it, the, and, the sound and, effects kind of count up yeah and into the games oh i don't play the sound because i'm usually like oh, listening see. to something else but um it is like to its credit it's got a little bit of strategy too because like the monsters will do something and they'll like kind of augment the cards in some way and so you can use abilities to kind of get around that so there is some strategy to it but for the most part it's just kind of a nice like i guess it's like it's my equivalent of like something to do like you know when like you're in class and like some people will like doodle as they listen because yeah, it helps them it, like play world of warcraft or something 
<laughs> yeah, like, I think it's my kind of, like, I, I don't play it in class, but, like, there's been, like, the other day I had a lecture I had to, to listen to, and I kind of just, like, played along while I was listening and focusing on the lecture, and just something about, maybe, I don't know if it's kind of, like, a, a way to keep my hands busy while I'm doing something on the computer that's more of, like, a, a just a, a watch or a listen, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know, I find I just tend to open it up and just kind of kick out a few games here and there. It's <laughs> so, good. Yeah, it's good. It's It's just... It's just a cute comfort food game. <laughs> uh, my comfort food game is is something I actually just recently picked up again, actually. But um, so a, a little while ago, probably like six months ago, seven months ago, I, I bought um, Soul Calibur 6 on discount just off the PlayStation Network. And mm-hmm. I don't know why this has kind of become my comfort food game, because I, I mean, I've said before, I'm not huge into fighting games. But for some reason, I've got a bit of nostalgia for Soul Calibur from like two and three back in the day. And six has, I think I was, I I told you about it on the show, but it has a really expansive set of single player options, which I, which I really like. And so it's got kind of the, the one story mode where you create your own character and go through, which I haven't touched too, too much, but it also has Mm -hmm. uh, another story mode, which is kind of the timeline of, of soul caliber itself. And then underneath the, the main timeline, every character has their, their own miniature story. You can play through with like six or seven or eight missions and different fights with against different people and a little story to go along with it so i've just been having a lot of comfort recently over the past like week or two and once a day or maybe just before bed i'll I'll sit down and i'll like okay which character am i going to go through their story today so i did like nightmare the other day and i and they're really short they take probably like 10 10 15 maybe 20 minutes at most to go through and it's it's just like this little self-contained set of matches and a little story oftentimes the story is not that great but something about just going through and Beating the missions with a certain character and seeing their timeline kind of go across and check off and and finish that is just really comforting and maybe it's a little bit of a completionist thing I don't know but but having that experience with all the different characters and seeing how the characters have changed since since Soul Calibur three because I haven't really played Soul Calibur four or five too much so getting into six again is is maybe it's the nostalgia coming through but I've really found a lot of comfort in it and these little bite sized chunks rather than playing for a long time. But it's uh, mm. it's it's been really good, and I, and I've I'm fully planning to go through and do all of the little stories, and then maybe if I like it enough, I'll continue and and uh, go to that other create a character type of mode. But um, it's just yeah, dipping in and out of there. Good comfort food game. I like it. I like it. That's that's, that's not what I would have expected as a comfort uh, food game, but like sometimes know, yeah. they just meet you in the right way like that, and they just put you in like a, a state of mind, and it's just it's it's relaxing for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, if I was playing like online or something and getting my ass kicked by people, like it would be the exact opposite of a comfort food game, but because it's single player and it's, I mean, not overly challenging. Maybe if it's a character I'm not super good with the last couple of matches could be kind of tough, but overall I've, I've been doing just fine. And yeah, it's a, uh, <laughs> it's a weird comfort food game, but it's maybe you need something a bit untraditional sometimes, I guess. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, um, I guess that's the quiz. Hey, that was fun it's fun to fun to talk about stuff like this and i'm sure we'll end up doing maybe this will be like a tradition now every time we have a another anniversary on the show we'll have to amend some of our answers and go through the quiz again <laughs> i like Good. it it's kind of like a cute look back on our on you know the history of the show and some things we've talked about and also just you know looking at things in a little bit of a different light and you know getting some some fun silly little stories out as well so yeah i mean we play so much throughout the year too especially with ps plus being such a big part of the show that it's it's nice Mm -hmm. to have a reason to go back and assess like okay yeah what did i play last year like i forgot i played a lot of these games on ps plus but then going back through and 
looking at that list, like, well, which of these was the best game I played on PS Plus, you know, and and kind of reliving mm. and going through your notes or going through whatever, however you track it. It's it's, it's a fun experience, actually. Nice, like, blast from the past kind of stuff. Really cool. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I guess that's <laughs> going to close us out for the show today. Again, thank you all very much for sticking with us over the last year and hopefully the years to come as well. Um, again, it, we didn't do listener mail this this episode. We were expecting a long one, so we we didn't plan for it uh, for this episode. But usually, this is the time when we would answer a listener mail question. So please, if you have uh, any video game related questions coming up, or if you want to answer one of our questions from the quiz today and send us in what you thought, uh, let us know at circlesandsquarespod at gmail dot com. Uh, you can also tweet us at cnspod if you want to get in touch that way. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you, so please do get in touch if you have a question for us. Um, but until then, Kate, we will see everyone again in two weeks time um, on the show where we're going to be doing some e3 predictions Uh, so look forward to that and we will see you again in a couple weeks the intro and outro music for circles and squares was produced by friend of the show matthew chan interlude music is from scott gratton of the free music archive our channel art was created by at unreasonable on twitter and our brother alex is the designer of the circles and squares logo thank you all for listening and supporting the show